You are listening to the Chompcast, the official podcast of Sword Chomp and SwordChomp.com. Thank you for taking time out of your crazy life to listen to ours. And remember, if you dig what we do, please go to patreon.com slash swordchomp. Look for all the ways you can support us or just leave us a kind rating. If you're listening to us on uh, an app like iTunes, please, five-star rating means the world to us. Helps get the Sword Chomp and the Chompcast name out there. We got an exciting show today. Uh, for the topic of the show, for example, PlayStation is celebrating its 25th anniversary. And I pulled this up as an introduction here. Uh, guys, this is from the New York Times 1998, titled Sony Comes On Strong in the Video Game War. Okay, this is the first uh, couple paragraphs, I think is an interesting way to set up this show. Mario the Plumber has always done a good job of running and jumping through video games. But Parappa the Rappa has him worried about his age and his place in the living room. The computer gaming industry convenes in Atlanta, uh, Atlanta later this year um, for the Electronic Entertainment Expo, E3, and the annual Battle of the Gaming Titans. Uh, this year, that mainly means a face-off between Nintendo and Sony, creator of Parappa, they really like to mention Parappa the Rappa in this uh, New York Times article. It's twice now. Um, but how did this matchup come to pass? Until three years ago, Sony had never even released a video game. It was in the fall of 1995 that Sony Computer Entertainment of America introduced the PlayStation video game console. And by business school standards, it was crazy for consumer electronics and an entertainment conglomerate like Sony, inventor of the Walkman and co-creator of the standard for music compact discs, to enter um, a cyclical business like video games. Oh, also just got that one out. Um, basically, they're saying, yeah, they made fucking Walkmans and discs, and now they want to make fucking video games. Um, not only was this market uh, notoriously fickle with consumers, uh, the finicky 10 to 14-year-olds, I guess at the time I was a lot younger, um, but it was a field dominated by two ferocious companies, Nintendo and Sega. But Sony dived into the gaming business, and with great success, more than 10 million PlayStations have been sold. That's about one for every 10 households. That's crazy. That's going to stop right there. One PlayStation per 10 households. I don't know if that math checks out, but I like the sound of that. It sounds good. Uh, it's the New York Times, so. That sounds about right. <laughs> Everyone, I knew had one. So that's the topic of the show, and you chime in on that, our at Swordchomp Instagram community. We're going to talk about um, 25 years of the PlayStation, um, what it meant for gaming as a whole, and some of the games that um, are the most important to us in regards to the PlayStation. So that should be a lot of fun. You know, we're not here just to suck the PlayStation's dick. It means a lot to us, and it's very, very important in gaming history. I finally have fallen into that hot new Jedi game. That's right. Star Wars, Star Wars, Star Wars. You've been asking for it. Dun, 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 dun. I, wait, how's it go? That's all you're going to get. Actually, I had this whole idea for a long intro, Josh, that I was going to have you cut up me singing that in the background. And I had this whole long intro, mm -hmm. but uh, Fish bailed on us. So this is going to be a lot more improv. <laughs> Maybe we'll do it next week. Um, I'll, I'll tell you more about that in a second. <laughs> Uh, we have a ton of polls that you voted on, including Sekiro vs. Bloodborne, Kojima Confusion, The Great Serial Battle, and Baby Yoda. Gotta talk a little Baby Yoda. Who doesn't love Baby Yoda? But yeah, so uh, let's get to the crew here. Um, yeah, I had a longer, more uh, humorous Star Wars intro I put a lot of time into, but Fish is not here. He took a trip. 
We'll talk about that later. He could not be here this week, so I'm very sorry. He will live in his memory and maybe some voice messages. Um, so yeah, this is totally improv. Uh, Josh, glad you're here today. The space cowboy, the Jimmy Rustler. Um, glad you're here. How are you doing, Josh? Doing, doing all right. Doing all right now. Um, are you okay with us talking PlayStation? Because when I knew you, you were a Nintendo kid. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I got into it late, but I actually think that was yeah. good because I got into it at like the high point of used games being a thing as oh, a lot yeah, of video yeah. stores and rental places were starting to die off. Like they, ha- it was still a viable model, but you know, like yeah. they, they knew they had to get rid of stuff. Like used games were so cheap, so ridiculously mm-hmm. cheap when I finally got into the, the PlayStation side of things that I, I probably played way more than I would have had I been a PlayStation kid to begin with. Uh, Man, I remember you. I was there the first time you played Metal Gear Solid. I remember it was at one of our friends' house, mm-hmm. and he fell asleep. And I think I think if I fell asleep too. But I remember you playing it to like the wee hours of the morning because I remember waking mm-hmm. up at various moments. <laughs> like, oh, it's Psycho Manus. Oh shit! <laughs> uh, it's three in the morning. That's weird. Being at my friend's house, which was already weird, and then seeing Josh do the Psycho Manus shit in a three a.m. haze on some butt guy's couch. Yeah, I still have those memories for some reason. Oh yeah, can't get rid of them. Um. Yeah, glad you're here, Josh. It's going to be fun. We have a lot of good stuff to get to. Also, talk some Sekiro with you. Sadly, Fish isn't here. I was trying to play Sekiro for Fish because I know he likes that game a lot. And I was, you know, trying to give it back because I always get Fish to play these games. And, of course, Fish couldn't be here. So, bad luck. But yeah. we'll have a good – I think it'll be a good comparison because Fallen Order is getting a lot of comparisons to uh, Sekiro combat-wise with the posture system and all that. So, mm-hmm. we can dive into that a little bit. Plus, we have people voting on Sekiro versus... Is it Sekiro or Sekiro? I don't want to sound like a jackass. Sekiro. Okay. Sekiro. There you go. There you go. Yeah. Right. like it. Um, that was uh, our Japanese correspondent, Shay Layton, uh, fixing my Japanese um, oh, from hi. Japan. Oh, turning, hi, turning Morgan Japanese, if you will. <laughs> turning me a japanese Um the, Yes. No, the, the, isn't that how it goes? Misa. No. Well, if only Fish was here, I could get no, that well, Jar Jar. No, Misa, not... Japanese. <laughs> I literally I had someone you... listen to our podcast for the first time and they caught Fish's um, Jar Jar Bink impression and they were very confused <laughs> <laughs> about what we do here. <laughs> I'm confused as to what we do here. <laughs> I've never been cl- clear about what it is any of us do here. Yeah. I think that song was before your time, but anyway, no, the. the... The joke is that that's a song about masturbation. So, oh, so, so Shay turning you Japanese is uh, mm. yeah. Actually, I didn't even catch that joke. Yeah. Wow. Hey, look, I'm here for anything that's about masturbation. Anything. You just let me know if you need a hand. <laughs> hey. I, I'm proud of you for that one. That, one, that <laughs> was a good joke. That was a good joke. <laughs> That was the best masturbation joke Morgan's ever told. So if this is your first podcast, <laughs> you got the best of the best. Yeah, you're I'm welcome. It's down here from downhill from here. So, yeah. <laughs> it's down here from hill. Yeah. Yep. Oh, it's well, down here. All right. <laughs> uh, right down at it. Um. Yeah. Glad you're here, Shay. Thanks, uh, man. Calling the professor. Um. As you you appreciate the Shay. I learned something pronouncing a word properly this week. Oh, tell me. Uh, have Have you ever heard the term flaccid penis? Yes, and actually, flaccid is pronounced flaxid. 
not yes, flaccid. flaccid. Yes. Isn't that wild? Yeah. So the, the reason why I, I looked this up in college, I actually remember where I was at. I can't, I can't remember important things, but I remember where I was at when I was looking this up. Uh-huh. So flaccid, that was the original way it was pronounced, but when the movie Lake Placid came out, people started saying flaccid like placid. And that's because an alligator horror film? That can't be real. I don't think that movie had a big enough reach to affect <laughs> it that. did. It did. That's what the internet says, and the internet oh, okay. always tells the truth. No, I I, I believe uh, you now. If you heard it on the internet. I yeah. I read it on the internet, which is even better Reddit. than hearing okay. it. Hmm. You read it on Reddit, and that's how you know it was fact. All right. Actually, I read it on one of those like ehow.com blogs or no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> but yeah, it's pronounced it's pronounced flaxid. Yeah. Yeah. I'm proud of you for knowing that, Morgan. Good job. Yeah. Yeah. It actually kind of bummed me out because I don't like it as much. It doesn't sound as good like that. Flaxid. You know what I mean? Flaccid just sounds sadder. Flaccid, flaccid sounds sadder, and it rolls off the tongue better. But you can't yeah. say it with as much vehemence. Oh, there's not really you know? anything keeping flaccid. it up, so it's just go- it, it's going to roll off the tongue. Yeah, Josh jumped in there before I hey. could. Yeah. <laughs> hey, they're just right there for the taking this week. Um, mm. Anyways, yeah. So that that was my fallback in case the conversation got rough in the intros. I was just going to talk about how I learned how to properly pronounce flaccid. Flaxid. I mean, it's not it's not properly because it's it has nothing to do with Lake Placid. It's been pronounced that way for forever. But yeah, in the, know, in the original language, it would have been with a double C like that. So I'm just saying, I've never heard a single human being in my life say flaccid, and they should be. They should be. Right. All right. <laughs> All right. That's just how it is. You've learned that's something today, with. audience. You've learned. Um, that's right. Yeah. By the way, this is General Mountain Time uh, here from Montana. I was. I should have said. Speaking of flaccid. General Mountain Time is here. That's me, Morgan. Because um, uh, fish a isn't big, here, so I couldn't introduce. Droopy dick. <laughs> I, I I hate it when the intro is set up for fish, but he's not here. Like that would have been a perfect segue for fish. Um, I don't know. It's weird. He said he was. He left me a note here that he had like left. Uh, he said he's a voice message or something. He left some. He went on a trip somewhere. Some sort of road. Uh, oh, I we. Mean- Oh, that's right. That's right. He went to the Old Town Road. I gotcha. Oh, okay. Um, okay. He needed a break. When you need a break from life, you go to the Old Town Road. This yeah. segment brought to you by Kit Kat. <laughs> now I really, like, before I, I was joking when I said I don't know what any of us are doing here, now I really don't know what's going on. I want to know how he's riding them. I don't think he thought that through. I want the logistics on that when he gets back. Yeah. Right. It, yeah. It, yeah. Unless it's just a horse named Slut, but it's probably unlikely. What else would you unlike. name a horse? <laughs> or he's he's calling his hand Slut. Mm, could you ride your hand? <laughs> I mean, it fits back in with the masturbation, back to masturbation joke. Yeah, there we but go. we should probably yeah. we should probably calling stop calling things sluts. Yeah, we don't want to slut shame. Um, we don't. Although I had a girl who I did a girl who professed to be a slut, and she didn't mind the term slut. She just didn't like the term slut shaming. So she liked her to be called a slut, but she didn't like the negative connotation that was. And I was like, it was a little confusing because like she would call herself a slut, and she kind of joked about it. But like you couldn't, you had to be careful how you used it around her. He's like, no, 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 only I do that. I'm like, ah, okay, shit. Ah, this experience only brought to you by 
Trailer Park, a place where you can date your mom and have her cook mm. for you afterwards. Mm. Tra- tra- that, that's the next dating app. I'm tra- just kidding. Tra- that, that may have been too far. <laughs> There's- you could have a lot of passionate tr- people that love us that live in Trailer Park. Now you're going to feel actually, like a jerk. Actually, one of our... <laughs> I immediately felt like a dick as soon as I said that. <laughs> We'll, we'll we'll let Shay baby edit that out. Three, two, one. Anyways, I'm glad you guys are here. We got it's going to be a lot of fun uh, today. Um, sure, I'm glad we edited out that joke of Shay being insensitive to everyone who lives in a trailer park. God damn it! <laughs> now they'll never know. Yeah, I know. Uh... I know. That's yeah. Glad we cut it out. So. It's the it's the theater of the mind. Three, two, one. So, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> That's the trick. I'm just, he's just going to leave a bunch of editing points in there, and you can use them if you want. You don't have to. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's like when you perforate like a piece of paper just in case you want to tear it there, but you don't have to. Yeah. It's there in case you want to. Um, is that the word I'm looking for? Perforate? I think it is. Actually. Yeah. No, exactly. By having the count-ins there, everyone will know exactly where they should have skipped ahead to to still have any respect for us. Yes, yes. In fact, that's the trick. Just skip 15 minutes into every podcast episode and you won't hate us as much. Hmm. Uh, that's what I hear. That's the word on the street. Um, but you might not like us as much either. So you'll be stuck in a weird purgatory and that's no fun. Um, anyways, it's going to be a fun show today because for the topic of the show, we were talking about the PlayStation celebrating its 25th anniversary. And as I read that uh, introduction there from the New York Times, it was kind of a big deal for Sony to jump in there. And they just took off with flying colors, which I find really fascinating. And um, <laughs> the the funny thing about my personal situation with uh, the PlayStation is I really wanted one as a kid when Tomb Raider came out. And then I sort of got hot on the 64 because all my friends had one when I moved. And I asked my parents for a 64 for Christmas. And I don't know if they were just ignoring me or decided better or what, but I got a PlayStation with Tomb Raider 3 for Christmas in 1998 or 9, one of the two. And it changed my life forever. And that very easily could have been a Nintendo 64. So... This has a lot of personal uh, value to me as well. Because, um, yeah, it really did. Like, Metal Gear Solid changed the way I viewed video games in many ways. Uh, it was one of those kind of game changers for me. And uh, this is going to be a fun show. It's going to be a lot of fun. But uh, we have some comments here from the Instagram community. The cool thing about the show is if you leave a comment on our question of the week, which I usually get up every Thursday on the at Chomp Instagram page, you can... Maybe get us to read your comment on the show. Let me talk about it. Especially if it's going to make the conversation interesting. Um, And that's how I want to kick things off. Um, So first of all, let's go round robin here. I just gave you guys a PlayStation story. You guys, Josh got to it later as he was just talking around the intro there. um, Which was cool because I remember actually being there for his awakening. Shay, what did was that something your parents got you? Did you have it? What was your awakening like briefly? Yeah, I've I actually told this story a few years back um, on a very early Chompcast episode, but I'm definitely going to tell it again just to remind you guys at least. So who are back you? in the, um fish? Okay. So I when I was about six years old, um, my dad had recently came back. Uh, he he was in the military and he had been stationed in Korea for a year, and he uh he brought back this PlayStation or not PlayStation sorry a uh, Sega Genesis, and 
I would watch him play a lot of video games, and when he'd let me, I'd get to play some video games as well, which is why I have such a um, a love for the system. But I remember when I was about six or seven, uh, during Christmas, uh, shortly before Christmas Day, he had he and I were sitting there watching TV. We were watching um, like basketball or something, and there's this commercial that comes on for PlayStation. Mm-hmm. And I remember him, and he's like, "That looks pretty cool, huh?" And I was just like, "Eh." He's like, "What would you think if uh, Santa got you one of those?" I, and I was like, to be honest with you, I don't give a shit. No, I didn't say that. I was like, <laughs> I, I honestly don't care because like. Oh, that's right. You were like, I couldn't be bothered by this shit. Yeah, yeah. I was like, I was like, I have the Sega Genesis. I was like, that's all, that's all I need. You know, mm-hmm. I was like, I still, I, pl- I still have all these games that I have yet to beat. I'm, I'm okay. And he's like, oh, okay. And I think he was taken a little bit aback by it because. He'd already bought it. Right, exactly. Like, this motherfucker. I... <laughs> yep, yeah, exactly. Which is exactly my res- would be my response if I was in his shoes. So I was mm-hmm. like, so <clears throat> I remember Christmas morning. There's a PlayStation, and under the tree, and I was like, "Oh wow, cool!" And he's like, "Do you want to play it?" And I was like, "Yeah, I guess so." And so we boot up Battle Arena Toshinden. Which I don't know if you guys know what that game is, but that was a old style uh, fighting game, and I rem- I was instantly in love with it, and I remember I wanted to play it all day, and I got to play it for a good few hours, but um, yeah, that I, was it. That, that was, I was hooked. Was now I was hooked, dead. and I remember like I would play it from time to time, and then my dad um, borrowed this game from one of his work buddies, and. I remember him showing me the cover and it looked like there was a hel- helicopter on it and there was this white background. I couldn't really tell what was going on because apparently I was blind when I was seven or something. But um, it, it was turned- a weird cover. I know what you're talking about. Well, it turned out to be Final Fantasy VII. Yeah, it's a weird kind of cover, the glare. Yeah. yeah. It's supposed to be, the- isn't it the Shinra building or whatever? Yeah, like, yeah, with Cloud yeah. with his back and he's holding his sword. And so um, I remember him playing it a little bit, and he's like, oh, I'm not super fond of the game. Why don't you try it? And that's when I fell in love with the system. Like, I, I enjoyed the system a lot before, but when I played that game, I was like, yep, this is it. This is the this game. Is the one. Like, I enjoyed Crash Bandicoot. I enjoyed that game a lot, but the, 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 the moment I fell in love with the system was seeing that cover, playing it, and immediately being like, whoa, this is what video well, games can do? Th- that was the thing with the RPGs, right, uh, Josh? Because a lot of the Final Fantasies up until that point were on Nintendo, and now Sony was cranking them out, these four-discs epics on the PlayStation. So I imagine if there was a lot of people that grew up with Final Fantasy, they had to pick up one of those, yeah. those compact yeah, disc that was gaming a, that things. that was a big get for them at the time, yeah. was finally having, um, you know... It, essentially an established series like on their first console like whenever they were able to get Final Fantasy to just be on PlayStation um that was a big reason for a lot of people to pick it up because the series had been fairly popular not as not as much in the states but uh but in Japan it had been very popular for years at that point yeah um, exactly 
Well, you know, the fucked up thing about the, the end of that New York Times article I was reading is like they were talking to like this guy in Sony marketing is like we haven't even tapped into the under 12 market. Um, there isn't even awareness of the PlayStation in the under 12 market. That's next. And Spyro released later that year in 1998. I was looking it up. So yeah. like that, that were, they were taken off with flying colors before they even attempted to go after the child market because the PlayStation was initially marketed at the older oh, above 12, I guess. And that spectrum. Right. Um, which weirdly enough for them was like 12 to 15 or 16. It's like in that way. It's like, sounds small. It sounds like a small area, but it was big because that's how old I was when I fell in love with Tomb Raider and all that stuff. So they were, they were hitting me right in the, right in the sweet spot. I, yeah. I just, it, we were at that point in time where there, there wasn't a lot of data for that. I mean, they had, they of course had the Atari, the original Nintendo and the Super Nintendo, but that was those, I don't, I'm sure you guys may or may not remember. I only know because I've looked it up. But those systems, especially the Atari um, and some of those older systems, were geared towards like higher end, like middle class, upper class families. They were yeah. not. It wasn't available for the the lower, like the lower middle class or the you know lower they class were, in general. Yeah, they were they were computers. And computers were expensive. Like, they were affordable computers, but that was still, they were trying to be, like, an entry into a high-end market instead of being toys. And that's, like, it's, you you can hear an awful lot in that article Morgan read, but they were becoming more and more powerful and less and less affordable as it went on. Um, And it wasn't until after the crash that they realized Nintendo, with the NES, was like, okay, it's a toy now. We're going to make this thing cheap. We're going to try to get it in front of as many people as possible. And that's kind of how that became the entire, the, the entire marketplace for it as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like yeah. Nintendo well, did this a is lot. a toy. We're going to put it in the toy aisle. We're going to sell it to toys. And at that point, also, like this, a lot of problems kind of came out of that crash. Um, with it, crash, A, yeah, a being a toy, B being because toy eyes toy aisles had become you know gendered at that point it's a boy's toy Uh and like we've slowly been working through all the issues that have come out of just conventional wisdom uh about what games were after that crash right exactly and so when we when they start video games started becoming a more affordable um item for people to buy for families to buy that's when we started seeing more and more children playing it. And we started seeing things like scare articles, like be be careful. You don't know the effects that this can have on your children or like mm-hmm. it's going to really mess up their brains. But we didn't know at the time. Humans didn't know at the time because yeah. it was such a n- relatively new concept for families to be able to afford these systems. And the fact that children finally also, had were a- everywhere. Yeah, yeah, they were everywhere. Children had access to them. so. We didn't know the effects it could have on yeah. brain chemistry. We didn't have the data to see like how how much or how many children were playing these consoles and these games. I mean, now obviously it's it's weird to think about that because now, of course, we have loads of data. But twenty five years ago, we didn't have the data. We didn't have a near enough data. But well, now we're the- we've developed it over time. It's kind of it's kind of like. When we talk about smartphones being kind of like a case study over time by all of us using them, 
it, like a trial by fire kind of thing. It was the same thing with video games. And I, I don't think a lot of younger, like younger people and even people, some people in my generation don't, our generation, I guess I should say us millennials, don't even realize that the video games have been a trial by fire case study kind of thing where the information we've gotten over time has been from us, you know, the consumer. And they that's how a lot of, you know, societal uh, scientific studies and whatnot are done to figure out how certain things alter brain chemistry and how sales are affected. Which is annoying, though, kind of, because I feel like it was almost more interesting before they were like all these corporate dick balls were sick, sucking over a bunch of stats, you know, and trying to find the the mathematical reasons to how to make their game sell more and to manipulate people. Because like in the first year, it was saying that Sony, re- like you said, even just jumping out the gate, they had a hundred games released in that first year. And they got um, like, people were big names like Namco and shit like that. People were like, Oh, I know Namco games from the fucking arcade. I'll come over and try your Tekken game, stuff like that. So they had a bunch of developers and there was, and Nintendo had a, the Mario game sold incredibly well at the time. That was what they were mentioning in the article. But because Nintendo was primarily first party, um, they couldn't. When I was looking at the sales, it was weird to see that nothing had been able to crack Mario's sales, and PlayStation was just across the board: million, two million, three million, million two. They had this vast catalog, and they just came out of nowhere and just threw it all out. Part there, of that so. is just the company history. Uh, Sony had been in, in the electronics industry significantly longer than yeah. Nintendo. Like Nintendo yeah. got how to sell toys; that was their business, and so. Like they're 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 kind of, they're responsible for games being a thing anymore because after the crash nobody wanted to touch it, um, but since Sony had done so much in the electronic space, uh, they they'd known that making the format as open as possible was a huge deal. That's t- yes. the reason why Betamax completely flopped. They they made it too proprietary. And it didn't work out for them. It's the reason CDs were so open. It's the reason DVDs were so open. They were involved with um, a lot of the formats on there. And then they realized, we can't lock this off. It's going to end up biting us. And, and that that led so to... Say, make it as easy as possible. Yeah, for exactly. That, that's, that's, why, that's why the PlayStation 1 and 2 have such a reputation for shovelware. It's because they let anybody <laughs> yeah, who wanted yeah. publish a game on the system. And... Hey, we love some of that shovelware. Yeah, I played like, that Rugrats it's, it's, game, goddammit. Exactly. Like, there's a ton of good stuff on there. There's Licensed also a ton of crap. Um, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And Absolutely. It's, it's, but, but that's a good thing, because since anyone could make something and put it on the PlayStation, we did. We got some really weird and some really interesting stuff. Yes. Um, because of that And crap by model. that metric at the time is different than crap by the metric now, interestingly enough, I think. Um, well, I of like course. crap back then had more heart. <laughs> more, more, more soul than the crap now. And I but, think uh, what's yeah. I, I think Morgan. One thing I do want to say. I'm sorry for interrupting. You're fine. Th- you're fine. That imagination and also and perception will affect that a lot as well because you, we all know that when we go back to certain things, we had a certain feeling, which obviously is nostalgia for how certain things played out and how they made us feel. And as a and as an adult, we don't get those same feelings because we become more cynical. We become more mm-hmm. jaded about the world, so that affects some of the imagination of where games are at now versus where games were at then. You know, like games games had more of a mystique and an allure. 
back then because our imagination could fill in the gaps. And the reason why I say this, because weirdly enough, when I was riding my bike home from work yesterday, I was thinking, I don't know why my mind went here, but I was thinking about the Lord of the Rings films. And back in the day, how the the cinematography and how the special effects were the most mind-boggling, amazing special effects 20, almost 20 years ago. But if I were to watch it now, which I have watched them recently, you can tell like, okay, that's a green screen. Okay, that that's yeah. clear yeah. CGI. Yeah. And I think it's A, due to the times, because that was the best technology we had at the time. But I also think is because I was younger. I could, my brain could fill in the gaps with my own imagination. Now, if I were to watch those films right when they came out when I was in my 30s, would my mind have filled in the gap as much then? Because now, if you know, I watch a film that has a ton of CGI in it, I'm a little bit more cynical. I'm like, okay, clearly yeah. that's CGI. Yeah. Or. That's why our parents were always a little more cynical when we'd be like, Mom, I saw this great movie. It's fucking awesome. And your parents were just like, yeah, yeah, uh-huh. It's, it's fine. Right. That's what my dad was always like. My, my dad never seemed impressed by anything. Like, the fuck is wrong with you, Dad? Do you get any joy in life? And then you realize, <laughs> oh, oh yeah, the joy was a sucked lot out. Of it was, <laughs> yeah, a lot of it was that that was a weird era because CG was so much cheaper. Like, it was still expensive, but it was still cheaper than the alternatives. So we we got a lot of crappy cg through there like like that was that was a low point as far as a lot of the fidelity in movies Mm -hmm. went like occasionally you'd get something that was just stood out but i mean just think about you go back and you see some of the practical effects from the 80s and you're like that's insane it still looks good now because they had to find a way to just do it if you want it on screen you have to do it there's a thing, yes. It yeah. is a real thing there. Yeah. Yeah. Um and I mean there there were there were it's not that there wasn't stuff green screened in at the time, but um those those stood out too. It was like the, the yeah. Yeah, it was just Yeah, yeah. Weird well, I mean, that's weird times. That, so it's a good well, you guys are both saying I agree with because I this is one thing I always try to sell people why I love to play games when they first come out, is because your brain, I think, is conditioned to compare art with the other art around it. Obviously, your yeah. age factors into it, but I think your your mind is comparing it to what's the best or comparable in the genre. Like, if you see a game that looks incredible, you might be like, oh, this looks incredible, but I was blown away by Horizon or Red. Like, your mind is always making these comparisons psychologically, and I think that's why I like to experience stuff right when it comes out, because I can go back to it three or four years later, and the game might still be great, but... There, because technology has evolved, even artists making art are now making art in a different time, inspired by prior art. Like everything Kojima's making in Death Stranding that I've been playing lately is inspired by everything he's been sucking into yeah. his brain over the past like, ten can, years. Can you right? imagine going back to see The Matrix now if you've never seen <laughs> no, The I, Matrix was, before? I know, like, oh, right? Of course, all the fight scenes are in slow motion. That's just what fight scenes are. Yeah, like, I watched literally it with my every the fight day. scene since The Matrix came out is in a slow motion. Yeah, and some of them don't hold up as well. Like, I was watching The Matrix with my wife the other day. I didn't think it was bad by any means, but I was like, there was just things about it that didn't seem as cool. Like, the the bunch of guys in the suits tracking them down and all this stuff. I was like, this all felt really weird and mysterious at the time. That It's a little funky now that there's no um, mysticism around the special effects. And also, 
we have technology for mm-hmm. all these. Anyways, yes. I don't, we don't have to beat that to a pulp, but I think it's interesting what you guys are saying because the PlayStation was at a very fertile time in technological creativity, right? The ground was ripe. The yeah. fertilizer and all the shit was right there, ready to grow. A lot of poop. All that shovelware was that poopy fertilizer, ready to help grow these crazy weird... Mm-hmm. But now we're in such a different place that uh, you could argue we don't see as much creativity. Um, but it's just because I think the mark, it's just, it's you just don't a very see different as much. Pool. There's probably more there, but you just don't see as much. Well, and you, like you would probably argue you find a lot of it in the budget games or the independent scene. Um, yeah. And, and you could make an argument that you used to see the creativity everywhere like that, you know, every game that was 50 or $60 on the PlayStation, even if it was good or bad, you know, it was all the same. So it's just weird. It's just different. Interesting to think about, I think. Yeah. Um, So one of the first comments we got here from Hipster Staffen says, I feel like the PlayStation will have a legacy similar to Nintendo. They made amazing consoles and tried new different things like Twin Sticks and the DualShock. Uh, And all uh, consoles now have the Twin Sticks, which is interesting. I don't know if they were the first one, but maybe they were. Um, Now everyone does it. Yeah. Uh, I feel the... Hmm. Yeah, I'm pretty Unless there's like some weird PC controllers, but I can't... I don't know. I don't know if that really counts because it wasn't mainstream, wasn't popularized. Yeah. And the 64 had that one big nub controller in the middle. They were doing yeah. their own no, thing. Yeah, no, like the single stick, like as far as analog controls, Nintendo did it first, but as far as having more than one analog control, Two. that was Sony. So. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. Uh, I didn't think, even think about that until recently. Yeah, I feel the PlayStation really brought Eastern games and RPGs over to the West. Um, which is true. A lot more RPG. I was influenced primarily in the PlayStation era, maybe being a kid that was like in anime and weird shit like that. I was also yeah. r- very mm. fertile for Final Fantasy and all those weird Squaresoft games and RPGs and stuff. Yeah. I I think sort of-ish. And we, we already talked about this before. Nintendo's kind of the one that saved gaming as a thing at all. With, they did with the NES, and then basically because of that, all the games were Japanese, um, more or less. Like there were a couple outliers. You could find a lot of weird of RPGs on the yeah, PlayStation. Yeah. You could, but that's because there were so many games. Period. Like Final yeah, Fantasy yeah. became a thing. You know, they had Breath of Fire. They had. It's not like we were starving for RPGs before the PlayStation came along. Um, I think it has more to do with just. Our generation, like like you said before, the generation, gamers who grew up with that are a certain age. That's just, that's kind of how it is. And around the time the PlayStation showed up was around the time we could actually read. Like we could read before that, but not enough to follow a huge story. And I think because of that, the PlayStation came out at the time when a lot of us were finally able to dig into a lot of these deeper stories. Yeah. Um, I think that also the technological advancements uh, that PlayStation made jumping into that next generation of consoles also lent itself or lent itself to there being more, not necessarily comprehensive stories, but ones that had the visuals and the aesthetics to really, really, 
fill in the gaps there. It's not that like the old Final Fantasies or something like Earthbound or uh, Chrono Trigger didn't do a lot visually because th- those styles are absolutely gorgeous. And I I per- I firmly believe that some of those still hold up depending on your um yeah your your view on them and like whether or not you like those styles i i think they still hold up gorgeously and beautifully but i think the fact that you know they were able to have full motion uh videos and movies in games they were actually able to have more 3d um effects or 2.5d happening in these games really like it it allowed you to take it out of your imagination and put it into something. And I think that really yeah. sparked a lot of people wanting to create and see what they could do with oh, what was yeah. in their brain. You could so much mm-hmm. you could do with those F dude. I was, you could not, I could not be fucked to try in one of those final fantasy games. I saw them all over the place. My friends played them, but as soon as they made them on the PlayStation, cause they were, cause of a technology whore, I was like, yeah, I want to, I want to, give this a shot and then i ended up really liking the series in general as a whole but yeah you have to like yeah. my imagination was uh was you know my brain clit as you might say was rubbed a little more with all the technology um and yeah and can you imagine being a developer and being like man we can do these fmvs we can have like cloud driving this motorcycle and then the, the video the full motion video can cut right to a a battle like there's just so much they could do so it's got to be fun, I would imagine. Yeah, yeah. It just, like, I agree. Like, Josh has has a very good point, which I completely agree with. And I also think the technological advancements really just opened the door for a lot of companies. Also paired with the fact, like what Josh said earlier, that PlayStation just had a lot more openness to allowing anyone to create from the, for them. We just got all these unique titles. Like, you go look at, like, one thing. Fun thing, if you ever are absolutely beyond bored with your life for some reason, go look at just like some of the game lists of previous generations, like the direct previous generations right before PlayStation. Then look at the PlayStation 1 list. And it's just like the uptick in how many games were being made and just the very different styles of games that they had. It's just, it's, it's, pretty astounding really it really is like you look at you look at like a sega genesis or super nintendo list you go from that to a playstation one list and it's just it's amazing it's amazing the like the the explosion that happened uh for gaming in a such a positive way during that time and that's Mm -hmm. why that's why so many people look back at the the first playstation console with such reverence and um such nostalgia is because of that explosion. Yeah. It was, it was really, it was really, really cool um, to be a part of. I'm very, I'm very happy that I was alive as a kid during the PlayStation. I mean, there's things I missed. I missed the growing up with like a Nintendo. Well, that's not true. I was, I had a Nintendo as a kid at my grandparents' house, but like Atari and stuff. I, I'm just glad I was alive during the PlayStation. Um, yeah, the the one downside of being alive during that that time specifically is I feel like and I'll always kind of feel this like weird longing that I didn't get to enjoy arcades at the height of them. Hmm. You know, cuz they were at their height in the 80s and the very the very early 90s. 
And I feel like I got to miss out on that. Like we would go to them as kids. Like we had some where Morgan and I, well, Morgan's at now and where I grew up, but just, they didn't have that feel that like, I've been to some arcades like here in Japan and they real arcade. Yeah. And they're amazing. And I like to have experienced that as a kid would have blown my fucking mind. I just, I I think they've been slowly dying along with the mall in America is kind of been the, you know, the sad story of arcades in America. Part of it's that we built way too many fucking malls, um, because they were a great tax haven. Um, (laughs) yeah. And we've been kind of slowly paying for it for the several decades since then. Yeah. Just it's, it's, that's old, old us kind of reminiscing on where things were at when we were children. And it's hard to not do that when you talk about the PlayStation because the world was such a different place. Um, even the world itself influenced some games, how they were made or why they were made. And so it, it's well, really difficult. And I'm sure like some of our younger listeners are like, these guys will not shut the fuck up about <laughs> the past. But like, really, it's it's difficult when you talk about something as impactful as the first PlayStation to not think about everything else that was going on around that time. It really is. But to be, to be during that fertile gaming time, but also to be a kid was a a wondrous thing. Yeah, absolutely. Justin timey wimey said out of all the crash bandicoot, uh, out of all the games, crash bandicoot, Gex, final fantasy, great times. I have when I was a little kid, what I remember the most is having fun with my dad. He liked playing driving games. I hated them. But it was so cool to see how happy he was playing them. I remember one time he was bragging to his work buddies that NASCAR, if you left tire marks on the ground, they were still there the next time you went around the track. I didn't get to play much with my dad. Uh, so those times um, so those times losing to him in Gran Turismo were some of my favorite moments. <laughs> well, he went from NASCAR to Gran Turismo. So obviously Gran Turismo is the fine wine of uh, racing games. and I'm sure NASCAR was the... Uh, Keystone Light of racing games. The beer 30 of games. But I think that speaks to the variety. Like, my sister could go out there and find Rugrats or a Barbie game, or, you know, like, no matter how many, there were so many kids within that age demographic because there was so much crap on it. You could find something you were into, you know? Um, And that's pretty cool, I think. Because, you know, my sister, for example, is not going to be a hyper-cynical gamer. So she's like, yeah, this looks cool. I'll, I'll play this crap. Um, and sort of like that magical... Remember how magical it was to like buy a game that had like multiple CDs at the time and be like, ooh, four discs. There's four discs in this container. Mm-hmm. That was such a, like a weird feeling of like epicness. Uh, usually it was the RPGs. Like I'm trying to, th- I know there was a couple exceptions like resident evil two, I think came with one. Cause you could do a disc per character. Like if mm, you were playing, yeah. um, Leon or Claire, what the fuck are their names? Um, but, but, uh, most of them were RPGs. Most of them were like Final fantasy style games with two to three discs. And that kind of made yeah. it feel like this big grand opus, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Shay, I was just reminiscing on how cool it was to open up a, a CD book and see four discs in there and be like, oh, four yes. discs. It's like an entire anthology in one game. It, it was amazing. It was amazing. <laughs> like you, you look, you look at it now, and you'd be like, oh, fucking two games. What are we? Twelve kind of thing. But like as a as a child, that was just like 
oh, this game means this game means business if it's coming with more than one disc kind of thing. Ooh, yeah, yeah they ain't fucking around. Yeah, exactly. Dude, my favorite was some of the mediocre RPGs I bought. There was, like, there was this one called Shadow of Madness that I loved as a kid, and this was like a middling 6.5 kind of game that had three fucking discs in it. Yep. And I remember just being like, like when I went back and played that as an adult, I mean, this is the coolest thing ever. This is like a three to four disc game that is a 6.5 quality game. Yep. Like, that's that's wild. It was, crazy. it was crazy back in the day. And I think that's something that this generation can't quite understand, but it was, it was interesting. But, I mean, most people listening to our podcast are probably old people. Let's be real. Yeah, that's true. That's true. That's true. That's true. They're, they're hey, kids playing Fortnite, listening to our podcast. If you are, thank you for joining us. That's true. Um, that's but, true. And uh, look out. <laughs> make sure you build that wall higher. Mm-hmm. But no, what I was going to say is a uh, Justin timey wimey. I agree with you on the Gex thing. It, you know, year after year, I, I try and tell these guys about Gex and, they all poo poo on it, but Gex Enter the Gecko, Justin, was my shit. Gex Enter the I got, Gecko was my I shit. I got cheated because I asked for Gex for my birthday or Christmas or something, and they bought it for me, and I w- it was an accident. They, they, I couldn't be mad at anyone, but they bought me the first Gex. And no, a lot of people don't know this, but the first Gex was 2D. Yeah, yeah, it was. Enter so the it's... Gecko was 3D. Yeah. But I bet you going back now, the first Gex, the 2D one, I bet you I'd love playing that now because it'd be trippy as fuck. But at the time, I was like, 2D? This is a PlayStation. I don't play this shit. Come on. Yeah, yeah. I, w- I will agree. Like, I play- the first one I played was Enter the Gecko. And I absolutely was enamored with that game. And going back to, like, I went and played the first one shortly after, and I was like, the fuck? 2D? Because, <laughs> like, I just played yeah. a 3D game, and I was like, huh? On PlayStation, I had the same response that you did. PlayStation made us all snobs. It did. It really did. It really (laughs) like our 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 eight year old. We're sitting there drinking our juice out of a wine cup. We're like (laughs) this Gex game. Mm. (laughs) Only the finest RPGs for me. I need full motion video. That's right. I only accept games with dry, Mm. slimy, not slimy, smooth polygons. Mm-hmm. Uh, although wasn't there some weird sexual shit in there like all the ads was like Gex and then like a hot lady because it was like a James Bond joke thing yeah like, they're really implying that he's lizards fucking these well no so what, how Gex Enter the Gecko goes is basically oh, he was man. a he was a TV star and he was acting in all these sequences oh. and so that was the first one and then Enter the Gecko he's retired but they kidnap him because this TV sh- uh, this TV program's ratings are going down. So they kidnap him to basically boost their ratings. Kind of thing. is he the size of a human being? Like a human and him are the same size? I think he's he a tiny. I, I think he's a little bit smaller, but he's humanish. Yes. So we could potentially have sex with a human. Yes. All right, that's all I need to know. If you have any more questions about Gex lore, make sure you message uh, Professor Layton. Yeah, I don't know. How, like, look, here's the thing, dude. Every day I forget a little and a little more of what I learned in college, but I remember this pointless fucking mm-hmm. shit. Yeah, me too. It's not pointless now. No, it's not. But, like, there's, like, Justin and, like, maybe one or two other people have been like, Gex, that's right. I'm hey, man. I'm speaking to you out there. People like Gex. Gex Enter the Gecko in particular, I remember being a nice, well-received game critically. Um, Daniel of DC said, it'll always be my favorite controller, and if they ever change it, the PlayStation brand will be dead to me. Hmm. <laughs> I don't know what the defining game would be. Just odd, that considering game, it 
wasn't that Sorry. when it came out, and most of the games didn't use it. Well, yeah, it was weird because you had, yeah, like, I remember there was a button in the middle you had to push to use the analog sticks. To, Do you remember to that? To even turn that on, because they weren't on by yeah. default because they weren't default. They didn't show up until three, four years after the system came out. But he's not saying the du- the dual sticks. He's just saying the controller, which means he could just like the general feel and setup. The original which I agree controller with. is actually good because he didn't have all the extra weight. You also didn't have the rumble, but uh, or did you have? Oh, I can't weight. remember if you had rumble by yeah. default in that original controller or not. It's been it's well, been forever. Even though they have this big useless middle button on the PlayStation Four, the space is about the same. It, you, before it was just like start, select, which I would prefer, and then like the words PlayStation, it was just empty, right? So like technically, this the button is not taking up more space, uh, but it's kind of useless. Probably not what they wanted it to be in, in the long run. Um, but yeah, they've kept the. I think that's cool though. Like think about it. Most systems change over time, and Xbox has now started keeping the same congruency. But even Nintendo, we love Nintendo, but they've changed their control over time, and that's why a lot of people still fight to play Smash with a GameCube controller. There's a there's a fondness to like getting people used to a certain kind of play method. So it is cool that PlayStation has stuck with their their traditional. And I agree, it's my favorite too. But I couldn't really tell you why. I just like it the most. Um, they've got a good D pad. Is that a joke? No, no. They've got a good D-pad because it wasn't an analog system when it first came out, and they've just kind of kept around having a good D-pad. I like the buttons. I like the look of the buttons. Well, actually, uh, the nicest thing about the PlayStation controller, and I'll give it this, is that because the buttons aren't rounded in any fashion, they click very nicely. And I don't have a single PlayStation controller that doesn't have the plastic on those keycaps worn off to the point yeah. where you can actually I'll have to get a picture of this but um the keycaps are two parts they're um you know dual color plastic um, they're they're not dual color plastic it's it's a one piece of black and or gray and then the actual button color as its own piece of plastic underneath and I will sit there and click between those buttons because there's a nice spot that's perfectly thumb shaped between all four of the face buttons on a PlayStation controller that you can sit there and flick between without actually actuating any of them along to all the music that you're listening to while while playing. And uh, that tapping and flicking across those buttons has completely worn them down on every PlayStation controller I own to the point where the, the, the first layer of plastic is almost gone on all of them that I own. So it's, huh. they're like almost just... Weird. Just the... Uh, the the uh, the colored plastic portion. Too much tapping and flicking. Mm-hmm. Just too aggressive, Josh. Pretty you use that keyboard. You're an aggressive man. Mm. Uh, let's. <laughs> um. Although to be fair, those those keyboards you use are for the that's some serious shit. They make those keyboards for aggressive tapping. Mm-hmm. Those are the no joke keyboards. Um. Yeah, I'm actually I'm a big fan of my last keyboard because I I wasn't sure about it, but I I went with the uh, the. Uh, the silver, uh, silver switches on this mm. last one, which are uh, super super low pressure actuation on them. Like you, you barely mm-hmm. touch them at all, and they and they fire. Which well, the original yeah, it's been it, it's really nice. 
really Let's nice. Let's give Josh I, a moment to just yeah. talk really sex. Talk really sexually about that again. Can you just describe that again, but more sexual? Yeah, the, the the actuation distance on the silver keycaps is like really, really low. It's it's essentially it will it will register a key hit at about the same travel distance as if you were playing with like a like a chiclet keyboard. Uh, as far as distance you need to travel, but then it's got the full keystroke underneath that for you to push and for it to feel comfortable underneath that push. But wow. it fires immediately. Like as soon as you start uh, to push, it is pushed. Okay. So it feels the way you want it to, but it reacts. But it reacts faster because it's as soon as you go. That's the weird. the downside to that is if you think about pushing something, it's been pushed. So it took a while to get used to just resting my hand on the keyboard without accidentally jumping because i'm just kind of even putting yeah. a little bit of weight on the keyboard but uh i feel you yeah after the, after that it, it's been great they didn't always have the pressure sensitive triggers did they those are new right um pressure sensitivity was the ps2 ps2 okay yeah. was the they they switched to the whole everything was pressure sensitive like every single button was a pressure sensitive switch on the ps2 which almost no one used except for like the Kojima games. And it was really, really hard to. Oddly enough, the non-lethal options were good because it was like a, a light push, but you had to squeeze the fuck out of those things. If you like wanted to break oh, somebody's yeah. neck. Cause yeah. they were, they were not joking around with the, that's what they wanted you to do. He wants you to feel like you're breaking a fucking neck. Yeah. Neck, you man. had to, you had to squeeze the hell out of those things. In order to, I to get I the, will the commend Kojima for there, so, I will commend Kojima for actually making me gently rock my my wife was making fun of me because I was rocking my PlayStation controller while actually it caused me to I'm not even kidding you I was holding the baby in my in the crevice of my shoulder of my arms and the rocking motion of the controller actually made me rock the baby I had in my arms in real life <laughs> <laughs> and the, the, he's and tricking worked, me into man. caring for my child yeah. It it was it was obviously yeah it was just kind of funny that I it's so geeky but I cannot get over like like walking around with a baby in that game but actually having a baby at the same time I feel like that's a very rare thing that how many people are gonna have a baby when this came you know what I mean it's such a so it's I, I'm really amused by it let's just put it that way uh, deeply uh anyways yeah so Kojima's still up to that shit he's still trying goofy shit like in Metal Gear like think about it, the PlayStation he was able to do that weird memory card thing couldn't have done that really on the Nintendo per se I mean I guess he could have looked into your memory to see if you had a no he couldn't There's, have you couldn't no no, no. I mean no. you could have but because it was cartridge based most games did not use external memory it was did you was know save to the game Yes. So, did you know about that, Shay? In Metal Gear Solid, you could, when you came across Psycho Mantis, who is one of the bosses in the game, one of the revolution. <laughs> Shay has Shay doesn't like Metal Gear Solid. Um, there was one of the. I still think he just didn't play them at the right time. Um, but that's just me being a dick. I would say that the so there was this cool thing with this boss Shay called Psycho Mantis, and he could read your mind. So if you had played other games from Konami and you had them saved on your memory card. He would tell you that, and he'd be like, oh, "I can read your mind," and he would like make all these jokes and stuff, and it was like, "Holy shit!" Because yeah. he was just reading your memory card. That's so cute. cool, man. Like, PlayStation did so many revolutionary <laughs> things like that. Well, that's, no, Kojima, honestly, did, yeah. No, no, PlayStation did. If you really think about it, like that was the last. I'm I'm gonna come out and say it, and people are gonna disagree, uh -oh. and that's okay. I think 
that era n64 ps1 was the last era where people took massive risks with video games and i think video games have slowly since the ps1 era have become safer and safer and safer um in terms of like mainstream console gaming yeah the consoles and, like the, and because, the big yeah, the players con- have gotten more and more boring for the yes. most part right but like think think about like you guys remember monster rancher which I guarantee you generations before us have no idea because like monster rancher was a game slightly similar to Pokemon slightly in that you would take care of a creature and how you got these creatures. (laughs) Uh I I love your example. I love your example for games being risk takers is a clone. It, it, I mean, it's not, but your setup here is just really making me, Oh, it's making me smile in a, in a really sadistic sort of way. Okay. So anyways, you would put you would put in <laughs> CDs and you would get these really um like you'd either get these common monsters or these unique monsters like certain CDs out in the world um only they're the only CD that would give you a specific monster. Uh you know there was that or there was um I've talked about it before uh Kadelka which was this horror RPG which was one of the first of its kind. You know, or they, you know, they had the, even you think about during that era, they were making these unique controllers. Like you think about the N64's controller or the PlayStation's controller, which there was nothing quite like it with those dual um, joysticks that they eventually released in um, the later generations of the PS1 with the rumble pack in them. Um, There were other games that, you know, like did unique things too. Like you guys are talking about with Metal Gear Solid, like there were so many risks and unique things done with games during that time. And it's not that like you can't find that now. Cause you certainly can. And you got to look deeper beyond the triple a players. You got to look in the Indies and whatnot, but it just seemed like now gaming, they are Nintendo's the only one that really is still taking risks like PlayStation and Xbox. They're kind of, they're kind of pigeonholed into doing the same cookie cutter shit over and over again. And that's because they put themselves there. Now, Xbox, like with the 360, the most um, exploratory or unique thing they did was the uh, Xbox Arcade. That was Mm -hmm. amazing and revolutionary at its time. And since then, it's been cookie cutter shit. And that's what it's been. The interesting thing about the arcade is it's a similar sort of situation to what the original PlayStation did. They'll they'll let anyone publish a thing on their system. Right, uh, exactly. The, different, the difference there being was that they realized these don't all have to be full-priced games, um, which yeah. was not a thing on console. Like, there were very, very few games that weren't full-priced games. And they well, realized and yeah. that if we don't have to publish, or not, not publish, but if we don't have to manufacture discs we don't have to manufacture and then ship like a physical version of these things we can release it for cheaper and so like the price point was the big thing there because i mean really the only the only real data point saying that that could be a thing before that was katamari damasi they're like what's this it's a 20 dollar brand new game on the ps2 how is that a thing like well, no one yeah. thought that could be done until that game came out and did it, and it wasn't a... I mean, it's a cult hit, but as far as, like, mainstream success, like you're saying, the arcade was kind of, oh, yeah. we can have all these little games doing weird things again, so... 
the 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 innovation for a lot of places now is like the innovation for Xbox now is less in the games and more in oh let's take a risk with Game Pass and that success and with Sony it's like let's put stock in VR which has I think been a success for them as a, but I will say this Shay uh, if you're looking for weird uh, you're gonna get death stranding in a couple weeks and you'll get a lot of weird from that my friend yeah it um, just that's, that's it's, about as weird and as innovative as it gets right um, I, I and like <clears> I don't. I don't. I feel like that's surface level innovation because yeah, the Game Pass and um, PlayStation Now, those kind of things, that may or may not be the 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 next pro- natural progression of gaming, where we're streaming games, we're not owning games anymore, kind of thing, and that may be where the natural evolution of gaming goes to, which in some regards would be cool, in some regards I think would be absolutely detrimental to the industry as a whole. But like, what I liked about during that 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 PS One N sixty four area was everything was revolutionary. Like the N sixty four, the way it was designed, whereas like you could get like a solid one or you could get like a see through one, and they had all these collectible colors. There are people still out there now trying to collect all the different variations of N sixty fours. You know, the controllers between both the PlayStation and N sixty four they were unique for their time. You had all these games that were doing this this crazy shit because of the capabilities that the medium had, and it's just like now, like the risks are taken more so, in less, or they're they're taken more so in how they can maximize money, not what they can do with the medium. Yeah, well, I I could see that. I mean, it's. And some of that is if I will I will defend Monster Hunter in this way. Uh, the premise may not have been super ori- original, but there was never a game where you took your own music CDs and popped them into the PlayStation to use. That was a innovative idea, even if the premise of the actual you game. Mean Monster Rancher. Monster Rancher. Yeah, yeah. What did I say? Monster Hunter. Yeah, you did. I said? Fuck. God damn it. Um, the the premise of the game wasn't necessarily super unique, but uh, the how you the uh, some process. of the interactions. Or, yes, yeah. was very yeah, unique. Yeah. yeah, and and that's what I still love about like games like Metal Gear Solid that inspired me as a kid. Like, I feel like Kojima is still stuck in that in that mindset, but yeah. not a lot, but not enough people are, you know. But yeah, like games were figuring out what they could do during the PS One era. Like at this point, we kind of know more or less what they're. It's not yeah. that we don't know what they can do, because we keep having new genres being invented, new experiences coming out, but we know mm-hmm. what they have done for decades now, and so yeah, like we, yeah. we get what they're good at, and yeah. because we kind of know, okay, we, we, we get that shooting at things mm. is an easy thing to just do, so all games are shooters now, is mm. like that, that's, that's like the easiest, yeah. easy way... <laughs> to to well, just make something that works. Um and if we're going to be so. cynical, we could look back and say some of the innovation was just because there was no it was early. You're going to see more innovation when you're early in the life cycle of of a medium, well, earlier. Yeah, in exactly. The life cycle like the the change from our birth to us being teenagers was way yes. way way more massive of a switch. Um just like tech like the the technology exploded in that time period than it has now and because of that it kind of even if people were trying as hard as they possibly could to do new stuff 
the hardware really hasn't changed. Like the the, the yes, whole idea yes. of, um, you know, exponential growth for technology, it, it has not kept up. It had for our entire childhood and up till about the early 2000s. Since then, it has been minor improvements for well, the last I think I thought you were going for a different years. metaphor, Josh. So. I thought you were talking about how like you change a lot going from a young teen to a teen to a young adult, but like there's not a lot of change from you being 30 to 35 years old. Well, I mean, that that's too, almost kind but of... the technology itself has plateaued as far as processors yeah. go. Yeah. The last 10 years, mm-hmm. there's not been a major change, really. Like, no, not yeah, not, we're starting to get ray tracing real time and whatnot, but it's not a major change. We're not going well, VR is the big change. That's what I was gonna it's, say, Morgan. It's not. It's really not. Like it's still not there, like is the thing. Well uh, the the idea is there, the technology isn't there. And I think that's what you're saying, Josh, and that's what yeah. you're saying, Morgan, and that's also what I'm saying. Is that yeah, I will I will agree to some extent that some technology has really stagnated from when we were chill, like relatively stagnated while I also will slightly disagree. And I think that some technology has made leaps and bounds. It's just like, it's not accessible to the public yet. Like you look at AI and how far that's come. That was not some, something that was near where it was when we were children or smartphones. But when it comes to gaming specifically, yes, the technology yeah. really hasn't made leaps and bounds well, as to when we were children. And it, it's, it's like the ideas yeah, we went are there. From, we went from four colors being a maximum yes, yes. to where we I, are now. Right, exactly. In, yeah. in a lifetime, yeah. Yeah. Well, I agree I agree with you guys, but let, if we're honest with ourselves, we do have these switches, which are these really nice consoles we can take anywhere on the go, and uh, we have VR headsets and stuff. So th- it's there, but I do agree with you that it's not. The ideas are there. Games. The technology isn't quite there yet and i it's 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 weird it's weird to say that because we grew up in the era where technology was fucking fastly evolving yeah yeah it exploded and to to see where we're at where now we're just making these minor chips away uh we're chipping away getting a little bit better and a little bit better i don't know if that's because the technology isn't being invented or it's because well companies have figured out that's how they can make money you know. A little bit of both, but as far as the major issue was, is that we are actually approaching the physical limit of the, like, at the atomic scale, we are approaching the physical limit of what the hardware can do. Um, like, as far as silicon, silicon-based processors, like, mm. they, they, can't, they can't get better. We are we are there. There's nothing we can do to make them better. They're they're as fast as they're going to be, um, which is why we've had minor minor changes over the last decade. Um, like a- until we crack quantum computing, it's not getting better. We are we are at the plateau. We are not going to make a better processor, and it's, it's kind of been that way for a while. Um, there are quantum but computing, but it's specs. not a consumer yeah. product at that's gonna all. It's going to be insane when it does become a well, fucking something that people can buy and use. Quantum mm-hmm. computing is going to be insane when that that is yeah. integrated. Yeah, because that, well, that is the next exponential leap. Well, 
right. far as but as but, far as technology goes. Yes, I think I think we're just looking at it differently because when we're a kid, the technological leap came usually in the form of graphic improvements and things like that. Right? Technology now, if there's going to be innovation, it's going to come in the form of immersion or portability. There's other ways to be innovative besides just this game looks better. And when we were kids. It was like, holy shit, these PlayStation games look amazing, and they can put so much on four discs, and it got better and better and better, but I just think the innovation will come differently now. Um, like Josh is saying, they're only going to look so good. So I think the innovation has to come in different ways. Yeah. Yeah, like, like exactly. Fair. The next gen, the innovation is they're finally using solid state you know, storage. Like, that's it. Yeah. That's it. So we'll get slightly better load times. <laughs> it's not going to look yeah. any better. <clears throat> like, well... Yeah, they're they're finally going to be up to par with PC gaming, but we won't be sitting around in load screens for forever. I will say what's funny about going from my PS4 Pro to my Xbox One X playing Sekro in the morning and then playing Death Stranding at night. Both games are great. Is that the PS4 Pro doesn't look as good as the Xbox One X. It's not even really for me even close. So I just want my PlayStation 5 to look that good. They both look Um, the same, but uh, but sure. What are you basing that off of? Uh, basing it off of the actual tech specs there. Like, there's not a you, there's not a difference. Well, there's a pretty big difference. Okay. Well, I'll, we can look at some specs after the show, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, not uh, specs that matter. <laughs> like, oh, uh, well, maybe, maybe not. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see here. Um, speaking of specs that matter, fish is in here today, and uh, what? His spec, his spec, micro penis. Come on, work with me. Okay, here. It, it uh, took a while to get was there. A, that was a really big leap. Hmm. A spec, you know, a little spec. I, I got spec now. You don't need to keep saying it. I got it. I'm just saying that it was a big leap. Fish was laughing at it. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I know. I know. <laughs> I know, I know, fish. Um, <clears throat> I don't know. I don't have to tell them. Uh, let's see. Anyways, I want to thank everyone for leaving a comment uh, that we could talk about the PlayStation in detail. And, yeah, for me, it was just the cinematic nature of the console. I can leave it at that. Metal Gear Solid and Final Fantasy games really, on those compact discs, really made, like, oh, my God, like, games are going to become so much more cinematic than how I grew up, and that was the game changer for me. Um but I always will think of the PlayStation for those three games. Terminator 2, Metal Gear Solid, and Final Fantasy VIII. Mm. What will you think of the PlayStation 4, Shay? Three games off the top of your head. Go! Crash Bandicoot, Final Fantasy VII, and uh, Spire of the Dragon. Josh, what three games will you think of? Ooh. Uh, Metal Gear 1. Oh, Metal mm-hmm. Gear Solid one, not Metal Gear one. Um, yeah. um, Vagrant Story, and and this is tough. Narrowing it down to three is just tough because, like we said, there's so many games. Just you just gotta so have them. Like, saying the first three. Yeah, no, it's head. Metal Gear, yeah. Vagrant Story, and I have a hard time deciding which Final Fantasy, but it's gotta be it. Nine, nine, nine. I think it's nine. It could be it could be seven, eight, or nine is the thing. Like any of them, they're like they're so yeah. good. They're up yep. there. Um, but I think of them as a kind of a whole, like the That's Final weird. Fantasies. I thought, I thought so. for sure Josh would say Crash Team Racing. 
<laughs> I do love Crash Team Racing. Actually, I don't know if you guys ever played it, but Chocobo Racing was a fucking fantastic game. God, I love Chocobo Racing. All right. Don't say anything you can't take back. All right. <laughs> fantastic game. I've never heard of this Chocobo Racing game. It was an amazing uh, game. And it was, it was frustrating because, like, you could unlock Cloud in it. You could unlock Squall in it. But you had to beat the game a certain number of times in order to unlock them as drivers. So I think Squall, you had to beat the game twice, but Cloud, you had to beat it eight times. And I was like, ain't nobody got time for that. (laughs) Well, you know what? It's very confusing because Google, it says 94% of people like this game. But I don't know how many percent people that is because it only got a 4.4 from GameSpot out of 10. (laughs) It's one of the worst rated games ever made. But you know what? You were a kid and you loved it, and that's all that matters, Shay. Exactly. Well, they were they were comparing it to you know the Mario Kart games, which are actually good. Crash so. Team. It's not that this was. Oh, bad. oh, just... really? They're actually good, Jess. <laughs> 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 See, it gets a little chippy when Fish is in here. I told you. He does. He. Oh man. He does. Um. All right. Well, that's. I think we pretty much hit all the bases there. And congratulations to Sony for hanging around. Be a lot of fun to see how the PlayStation 5 is received. Um, you know, in all intents and purposes, Nintendo didn't lose. They had a great system, but the PlayStation outsold them in many respects. Um, that doesn't mean one is better than the other. I'm not trying to say that. Um, I'm just, it's, they came out of nowhere and just blew Nintendo out of the water sales wise. That's pretty impressive. And uh, to be fair, they had a little rough going with the PS3, even was even though it was very successful. Um, and then they came back with the PS4. The PS3 was like their down blip. It really um, was. It yeah. really was. Like after after the George Foreman PS3, when they decided to make the slim ones without backwards mm-hmm. compatibility, <laughs> they mm-hmm. really fucked themselves. Well, they they didn't put the grease catcher in there anymore. They didn't. That's what I wanted. They didn't. Yeah. I mean, yeah, they didn't. exactly. Like, how are you gonna make, you know? I mean, you can still make a panini that doesn't ooze, you know, to the point where the mm-hmm. grease trap is going to do an awful lot. But and like anything other than sandwich, you know, grilling at that point, it's just yeah, it's just not going to work out for them. So yeah, that's really the next step, right? Until I can grill a panini on the system that I'm playing Metal Gear Solid on, yeah, I'm not satisfied. You know what they need? That's, that's all there is. You know to. what they needed in order to make that PS3 so successful because it pretty much was the size of a George Foreman grill. Whenever you put a disc into the disc drive, they needed a George Foreman quote. They needed him to say something like, "The question isn't at what age I want to retire. It's at what income." And then your game loads. Hmm. Or my kid's idea yeah. of a hard life failing, is to live really, in a house with only one phone. It really sold about as well as they could expect because it's it's still about the only good Blu-ray player out there. I'm just saying, if they had if they had George Foreman quotes, they would have sold more. Probably, yeah. But you can say that about well, anything. I had the best way. That's true. I had the best way. George Foreman can... condoms. Right? Oh, that sound. Mm. See, that's one of the few sounds you actually can play over the phone, and it comes through exactly as well as it would have originally. <laughs> well, yeah, it, last yes. Week, yeah. Last week I messed up because it wasn't an actual audio. It was, uh, it was, <laughs> I had recorded audio from my, uh, 
the Switch onto my phone and God, then played that. That's <laughs> even worse. <laughs> that's like sloppy thirds, basically. Ugh. Um, like I, I, I know it's never amazing, but last week I just I had to call it out because it was just atrocious. What you were, you're like, you look how epic this is. I'm like, what am I? What what's happening to my ears right now? So I couldn't figure out why it's so bad, but then I was like, oh, that's why. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, it was going. It was a recording whole... of something off of speakers <laughs> being re-recorded <laughs> into something on speakers again. So that's exactly what it was. Um, uh, anyways, um, that's it. That's it. PlayStation 25. There you go. Um, I do want to say if you enjoy what we do, please go to patreon.com slash sword chomp. We have a special $5 VIP tier, which is pretty cool because you get access to a top secret Instagram page, with all sorts of rare videos, photos from our childhood, uh, game coverage, inside jokes for the show. It's, it's pretty awesome. Patreon.com slash sword chomp. And... We have a new $10 tier, which gives you extra podcasts. I'm recording a really beefy one this week. Uh, somebody messaged me this week, and they were like, I, <laughs> I really enjoyed your reading of that Pokemon review. I just want to get high and listen to you read Pokemon reviews for an hour. So that's <laughs> what I'm going to – I think I'm going to do that. I think I'm just going to find a bunch of Pokemon reviews and read them for like 30 minutes mm. um, in case you want to do that and get high and give us $10, and you can listen to that. <laughs> Um, but I'm also doing a show about uh, anxiety in the Game Awards, like prediction stuff, because I know I, don't, I wouldn't be able to torture anybody else with that. So I'm just going to talk about the Game Awards until uh, before they, they come out next week, just sort of predictions and conversation because I'm into that shit. So, and we also have Chomping After Dark, which, uh, t- tell them about Chomping After Dark, Shay. Why is that an exciting podcast we're shining up for? Um, well. Shining up for? Shining, shining, shining up for. <laughs> no, so if you're signing up for the $10 tier... You get to listen to Chomping After Dark, which is a, an in-depth analysis of Joshua Fowler's sexual history and life. Um, mm. We uh, interview him uh, on... In 18 volumes. That's right. And we ask him when all about um, his life growing up in a brothel in the 1920s. And then we also um, look at his penis. And we evaluate each curve and vein and bump on it. Pube? We 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 look at each individual pube. That's right. <laughs> no, um, in all seriousness, uh Chompin' After Dark is a podcast that we in a way have wanted to do all al- not all along, but like to coincide with the Chompcast, which we we've constantly talked about doing spoiler casts and we love doing spoiler casts because the story is such an integral part to any video game as you well know um unless you're playing a call of duty game and so we wanted to have somewhere we where i'm just kidding call of duty has some story but uh we wanted somewhere where we could talk about just spoilers without re- taking anything away from the chomp cast we wanted to be able to like do an even deeper analysis. Cause sometimes when we talk about games on the chomp cast, we talk about it for two, three, four episodes and we, we get a lot of thoughts out there, but sometimes we kind of have to limit what we say about certain topics because of spoilers. Now we could be a full on spoiler, um, podcast, but that would, I think that would limit our ability to talk about or it would limit the listener certain listeners to listen to our episodes so we wanted to start this kind of side podcast to basically just allow there to be kind of a separation where 
our main stuff, our Chompcast. We do talk about it, everything that we are able to. We're not removing anything away to put it into a separate podcast. It's not like we're giving this like watered down version of what our thoughts and feelings are on a game. It just allows us to deep dive into certain aspects that we wouldn't be able to on the Chompcast. So um, we've done a few episodes now. Uh, we've uh, planned out this month and we're going to be talking about Pokemon Death Stranding and Control. So we're going to be getting all of those out here shortly. So this week, uh, later today, we're actually going to be doing the Pokemon uh, Chomping After Dark episode and really, really excited about that because we've been playing that for a while. And as much as we all love Pokemon to kind of put that conversation to bed will be, I think beneficial for us so we can move on to other games. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I'm uh, looking forward to doing all those spoiler shows and you should too. It's well worth your money um, because they are a pain in the ass for us to record. Um, thank you for that. Shay. Um, I do want to say, so apparently people have been bothering me all week about, and I can squeeze in both these things at the same time. He's been playing Sekiro. You just have room. F- Uh, there we go Uh, (laughs) so Jedi Fallen Order is I think this is fascinating the response to this game um, the short summary of it is yes it's it's pretty damn good Um, I was surprised to see going through some of the big sites like uh, they had a big poll up at IGN where they had people voting on their game of the year and first place was the Star Wars game, which I technically is not a huge surprise if you think about it, um, because people have been waiting for a Star Wars game to be good for a long time, and it's fucking Star Wars. But like, I was surprised that that many people it was it was in the lead by like three or four percent saying it was the game of the year. I don't personally see that yet, but it is pretty fucking good. I will say this: it starts really strong. It's so you guys have seen all the trailers and the footage on this game, right? You pretty much have a good idea for what it's about. Um, So I can paraphrase it by saying what you've probably already heard, which is annoying, that it's basically Uncharted meets like a From Software game. Um, Condensed down in a way that's much more uh, absorbable for the more casual fan. That's all there is to it. It's still difficult, believe me. I got my ass kicked many times. But it's not like Sekiro brutal, and it's not... Um, and as far as the Uncharted stuff goes, it was kind of nice. It's been a while since I played a game like that, where you're like jumping on these weird, you know, objects way in the distance and like shimming around and getting on a tiny little pipe and scooting around stuff. I was like, oh yeah, that's a good, those good Uncharted memories were kind of coming back to me a little bit. Uh, the opening of the game is fucking incredible. It's like, uh, very like some of the better Uncharted moments and you're literally hanging off this giant like space train and these fighting these stormtroopers like jumping on there's like vehicles flying around you oh my god it was I thought it was an homage maybe to Uncharted 2 because that started off on that mm-hmm. train that was dangling from the cliff um, I was really blown away but the game kind of gets into its groove and it's just at that point it's more of an exploring kind of adventure game you go to a planet you kind of explore you can shimmy around and climb walls and stuff like that but it's mostly you know exploration based it didn't the opening was very linear and epic you know what i mean Mm. like very controlled i kind of wished it was all like that um and i'm probably in the minority because it was really really fucking epic um but yeah you just it's you know i went to the first 
three planets, I think. And oh man, I'm trying to think, trying to bounce the right stuff off you guys, uh, question wise. If you think of anything, let me know. Hmm. Um, I'll start. I'll start with my biggest criticism. Okay, and I got a couple. The reason I read less comments today on the main topic is because I asked a couple people on the Instagram what they thought about this game, just so I can give it its love. Because after today, unless you guys play it, which I know you're not. We're probably never going to talk about it again, yeah. and I don't want that to come off because I, I don't may. think it's good. We'll see. I'm just I'm so far behind on everything else. Like, I think I think I'm less behind than anyone, but I still feel like I'm so far behind on anyone, you know, on everything else that like I just kind of had to draw the line somewhere. So yeah. we'll see how the beginning yeah. of next year goes. But it's it's something I'm interested in. So. I, I highly recommend it, especially if you're curious, like if it goes on sale or something. I don't think it would necessarily make your top ten. I don't mean to pre- be presumptuous. Or your top five. Because I don't think that there's enough unique in it, but it still doesn't mean it's not fucking awesome. Yeah, because that's that that um, is exactly exactly for me, just since I do play so many games, that's that's a big thing for me. It's like is it is it something I haven't seen before? So This is the nicest thing I'll say about it. I wish it had come out when the Outer Worlds came out. Because I am enjoying it much more than the Outer Worlds, and I wish that I could swap those games in my memory, and mm. I can't because it's too late now. Not not that I hated the Outer Worlds, but the timing was kind of not great. And if you if somebody on our show is particularly passionate about it for Game of the Year, I think I would probably stick with it. But that's just not the case. So and look, I'm 40 hours in the Death Stranding. I'm not done with it yet, so I got to stick with it. Um, but here's my point: the game is really well made because it combines all those elements really well. You know, the Uncharted stuff feels great. The Unchar- the Star Wars universe stuff that you're looking for, if you're a really big fan of Star Wars, is great. Um, my biggest criticism of the game is just inconsistency. The It's weirdly inconsistent in strange ways. Some of the creatures look really fucking cool. And then some of them look like they like you're missing a couple layers of polish and like the way they move. Um, yeah, put it on a sale list. Some of the planets, like I landed on this red planet early on in the game. I'm trying to remember the name of it. And it was fucking incredible looking on my uh, PS4 Pro. Like it looked like demonic vegetation was dangling everywhere. You could see into these skyboxes, just gorgeous. But the first planet you land on is like kind of boring. It's just like green grass. Uh, some of the creatures that are skittering around don't seem particularly well like rendered, but then you'll find other stuff like certain characters, like the stormtroopers. when I'll go up to fight them. They're, animation is incredible i'm just like it's just a little it's never bad it's just all over the place Hmm. um and i have no idea why that is it makes you wonder i don't like to presume anything's ever rushed because the big narrative with this game is that maybe they rushed it to come out for the movie that makes logical sense you want the star wars game to come out with the movie but I don't like to presume anything's rushed because if someone busted their ass on this for two years and I sit here and say it's rushed, I don't know. I don't. I have no idea. You know. Yeah. It does just feel inconsistent. Hmm. That's know. interesting. I I have a, actually a question about this because I've I've had some passing interest in this game, to be honest with you, because I've heard some people say it's like the first good Star Wars game since you know like uh, Kotor or. Some people really love the episode one pod racer game for the N64 kind of thing. That's which is a fantastic game. Yeah, honestly, that's such a. There have been a handful. The 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 N64 pod racer. the The PlayStation version wasn't very good. Like it didn't have the frame rates to to play well. Like it really only worked well on the N64. Yeah. Uh, The the GameCube slash PS2 uh, Tie Fighter. 
game. Mm, yeah. yeah. Was was amazing. Um and then like you said, Kotor. Mm. I I actually I'm not a big fan of Kotor, but is it's got <gasps> a lot of love, so so people like it. So Yeah. Um, that's fair. Yeah. I do. Yeah. But so Morgan, not not being like and this is according to you. Um, not being mm-hmm. a huge Star Wars junkie, like you're not massive into that world. Um, does does a game like this have enough going for it to where it could interest someone who is not necessarily big into Star Wars culture or lore? Yeah, yeah, because most of it's just science fiction. Like, the first planet I landed on was just, like, I I was exploring, right? And I saw a big dragon-looking beast sitting on this, like, uh, this big rock. And it looked like you could get over there somehow. And it was, like, probably an optional boss, Dark Souls style. Um, a little less hidden than you'd find in those games because it was literally just sitting out in plain sight. But, you know, that's kind of what the game is. It's like, uh, mm-hmm. it's like on-ramp Dark Souls. You want to try a Dark Souls game? You should try this first. Um but uh, yeah, it's yes, because it's just science fiction. That's all. And like, I honestly, I go to see the new Star Wars movies when they come out and I enjoy the franchise. I'm not a big Star Wars guy. Like, I don't get super excited for Star Wars. I don't own any of the like, I don't think about it a lot, but I enjoy the movies enough to go see them in the theater if I can. OK, that's about where I'm at. OK, you know, it's okay. weird. Personally. I think I'm the opposite. I think I'm a big Star Wars fan, but then I've not seen like the last four. <laughs> You haven't even seen them at all? I own them. But, like, oh, I've not taken the, the time to, to actually hit play. It's like, I'm, I'm the opposite. I'm like, no, I'm totally into Star Wars. I'm a big fan. Let's let's buy this as soon as it's available. And then and then not actually hit play. Hmm. That's weird. Sounds like Maybe you're just a fan of the originals, then. I don't well, know. Well, dude, the, the like it's it's the strange. Force like it's, really... yeah, like I have this connection to them, but then I just can't be bothered. That's fair. I That's yeah. Fair. yeah. I have one more question I mean, for you, Morgan. After after you're done talking. Okay, I was just gonna say the Force Awakens kind of turned me around because I thought J.J. Abrams did such a good job with the the first of the new trilogy. That's, that like... actually, I I watched that one. I got that and watched it with my kid, and loved it. Even though it got a lot of hate because you know. It didn't. The alt writer, you know, fucking yeah. losers. So, yeah, I, oh, I, yeah. I honestly, a lot of people give Force Awakens a lot of hate. I don't understand it. I enjoyed it a lot. It's good as, as like yeah. as a movie. I don't care if they reuse some of the tropes and the plot points from the previous movies. I still really enjoyed the movie. So, yeah, basically, all movies reuse the plot points from the original. Shocking. Well, yeah. and the context of in this case seemed okay to me because of what they were sort of doing. Um, yeah, I actually liked it because it, oddly enough, weird. I mean, it's it's not entirely a tangent, but tangent. Like, I I actually like the Force Force Awakens because it's got this whole. Here's the same thing, but twisted. Sort of like here here's how all these things line up to yes. to be the same thing, and it, it ends up feeling kind of the way the end of the dark crystal feels where like they've they've given you all these pieces up until this point and you finally realize oh it was a mirror these two things are are reflections of each other and it's it's just really cool yes once you finally kind of see how it all is you know comes together just different pieces that all fit together so yeah it's cool 
My my dad saw the original Star Wars in theaters, and he saw this one, and he was just like, "Yeah, it was weird. Like I got similar feelings from both." And mm-hmm. he, and I was like, "Wow!" And my dad's usually like, he thinks they're fine. Like you know, he doesn't. He, I thought it was interesting. But I will say this: it's kind of a. I don't know where some of that stuff goes because if you look at the tomato meter for Force Awakens, it's got a ninety three from critics and an eighty seven from with from fans, which is huge. I don't. I don't know where the sentiment is. It was. I think the next one in particular really got. Bagged on. We don't need to talk about that. Um, but yes, anyway, that's where I stand. That's where Josh stands as well. To answer your question, it's just science fiction, so I think you can enjoy okay. it. Okay. My my other question then is if this didn't have the name Star Wars slapped onto it, and it was like it could be a kind of knockoff of Star Wars universe, I don't really care. But if it didn't have the name Star Wars slapped onto it, do you still think people would have as high of a praise for it as it has right now? That's a really good question. And I sort of push back against the idea of that question. And that's not against you, Shay. I think it's a really good question. I, but people ask me this a lot and I want, I just want people to try and think out of the box a little bit. Cause people ask me a lot with death stranding. They're like, if Kojima's name wasn't on it, do you think anyone would care? And I think it's just important to remember that because it's a star Wars game, that is part of the experience for people. The way the music swells, the way you'll, the way it feels when you get your lightsaber, when you upgrade your lightsaber, parts of the universe, there's part of that emotion is tied to that world and that lore. And that is important to the product. It's impossible to separate. It is literally impossible to rip those two things apart. Death Stranding would not exist without Kojima because no one is fucking nuts enough to do it. So it's just important enough to, for me, in my opinion, that's where my distinction comes in. Um, there's no way for me to separate the two. That's that's what I was hoping you'd say. That's <laughs> I kind of asked you a loaded question, hoping you'd answer it, and knowing you how you'd answer it. So, uh, well, you, you passed. Um, you passed my fictional <laughs> test. <laughs> I try. If nothing else, I want to be consistent. I uh, yes, it's even good though to the game's a little consistent. <laughs> I take my Metamucil mm-hmm. every day. Um... <laughs> Josh, Josh, he is slaying the jokes for the most part today. I'm pretty proud of him. Uh, even without fish, it's too bad. So I will say this: I'm sorry for some of the people that are like. I know people are really loving this game. Um, the 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 wave of people that think this is game of the year. I think that is directly tied to the fact that it is a really good game, but it's Star Wars, and that's well, important I, to remember. I think there are people who've been playing all the Star Wars games and have been unfortunately playing all the Star Wars games. And so they they finally got a good one, and it's it's game of the year because they've been putting up with all the Star Wars games so they could get more Star Wars. I and I completely understand that sentiment because like with Pokemon, like we've been talking about so much, it's like oh my god, we finally got a game where you can see the Pokemon out in the world, and like that's something people have been asking for mm-hmm. ever since the second generation. You know, like there have been changes made in those games that people have been waiting for. And now they're all, you know, they've all been, um, I was going to say congealed, which is definitely not the right word. Uh, they've all been thrown together into, um, uh, sword and shield. They've been combined in there and it's like, well, this is the best Pokemon game that's released since gen one. I made that yeah. statement and you know, it really does feel like that because same thing as, um, what people are saying about these Star Wars games. It's like, there's finally a, enough good changes. There's enough going for a, this game. Psychological damage. Yeah. yeah. You've been psychologically damaged. Right. They've for manipulated so long. me for years. 
It's okay. <laughs> he, he does love me. Holy shit. <laughs> we need it. It's like I had Talk. this. Yeah. Man. We're horrible people. I was about to give you. I had a. I had a girlfriend that would treat me like shit constantly, but then for my birthday, she like drew this picture for me in a card, and it was like very personal, and it was like a little, it was like such a nice weird gift, and she it was like a pot, like a flower pot with a plant in it, like a cactus, and the pot was actually a turtle, and it was like such a weirdly personal gift, and I'm like, man, she's tr- this is what she's doing, slap, 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 slap. Oh, here's a nice thing. That's kind of what they do, right? Shit, 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 gang, 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 and then oh yeah, here's a here's a good Star Wars game. Um, but you know the guy who's the director of this game is Stig. Yeah, don't remember his last name. He did God of War three, which I really liked. Um, not that you would see much DNA here, but they have a good. I will say this: there are some cool moments in the game that I kind of wish they went even further with. I'll give you two brief examples, and these are things I like about the game. And maybe these get even better as it goes on. There's one scene in the very beginning, or near the beginning, where you walk in your ship, and there's a guitar sitting there, like a weird, like Star Warsy guitar. And he, the character, walks over and just kind of touches it. And I guess because of the force, they can see and feel what has been written and played on it. So he picks up the guitar and he's able to just play the song that um, this girl wrote on the guitar without ever knowing this anything. That's just part of the force, I guess. I don't know. It's a Star Wars thing. So he picks up this guitar and he just plays this really beautiful melodic thing for about 15 seconds. And this gr- and this girl on the ship comes over. She was a, an ex-Jedi. And she's talking to him and she's like, I wrote that song. And, uh, and, I, and she talks about how he could feel it going through the guitar and play it. And it was actually this kind of beautiful moment that I wish they had, like, expanded on more and it's weird coming from something like death stranding where like kojima will just make you listen to an entire song as you're walking down a mountain because he wants you to have this specific feeling that like they hint on these cool ideas in this game there's a scene where you you go into this cave and you sit down with your little robot and it's kind of like a personal moment like he just kind of sits down on the ground with him he's kind of talking to him and there's like these these moments of humanity in the game that i think are surprisingly good um I just think it'd be cool if they could even go farther with those on the artistic side of things, but I feel like they're probably held back a little bit by that sort of corporate um, curtain. But I was surprised to see that stuff was in there at all. Um, if a curtain could hold you back, uh, <laughs> it could, you can't see what's on the other side of the curtain, but it's an even better scene where he just played. I just wanted him to sit there and play that guitar for like, uh, this is what I would imagine. Okay. Cause him being like a, a What's the word for being a, uh, what's the word starts with the P where you're not pompous penis, but, um, uh, <laughs> being, being a penis, um, it, where I would have seen it. <laughs> no, no, no. And I can't believe I'm usually, this word always comes to my mind too. Oh, well, it'll come to me, uh, come to me later. Progenitor. Um, where it's where you think that you're so great and you, everything you do is fantastic. Um, and poignant. No, poignant's super important. No, I'm just, I'm, I'm trying, intentionally throwing out, we're... Pretentious. Pretentious. No, that it's precocious. Hmm. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's pretentious. Okay. I know, I'm just fucking with um, I, I would imagine him, like, sitting down and starting to play that song for longer, and then maybe she, like, stands behind him, and she's just kind of listening to him play the song, and maybe he has, like, a memory or something like that. I just wanted to, like, absorb that scene longer than it was. Um, it was almost like that scene, remember, in, like, the Last of Us 2 trailer? where Ellie's like playing that guitar for a while and they kind of turn it into sort of like an artistic piece. I, I sort of like that idea. This is, it's going to sound nitpicky. It's not, I thought the scene was cool. I'm just saying that like, there's some good ideas in the game, even for being something pretty, you know, corporate. Um, 
that I appreciated. I appreciated those touches. And yeah, it's good. As far as the combat goes, Josh, though, like compared to something like Sekiro, there is sort of a feeling of like breaking posture, the way you're attacking enemies and move around. Um, it did feel a little clunkier to me than Sekiro, uh, like as far as the movement goes, but still very good. Like the, the same yeah. thing, memorizing patterns of enemies. Yeah. It's the a theory makes sense. It's a, it's an idea that has really not been explored enough as far as the idea of these people all have ridiculously lethal weapons. Yes. Just hitting somebody a million times with it doesn't make any sense. And the whole idea, like, especially with lightsabers, like the idea of just, you know, eventually breaking somebody's guard and just kind of getting, you know, eventually just taking the high ground and, and have won already. Um, it's it's cool, um, like the whole you know, with Sekiro, like they do the they there's a ton of just nods to uh, you know classic cinema, um, classic samurai films in that game with like you know like sword fights that go nowhere go nowhere and all of a sudden yeah. just fountains of blood, um, <laughs> whenever you finally kill somebody. Well, and this seems like a really similar idea with the whole you know, lightsabers, like you don't take a lot of damage in lightsaber fights. It's like, you know, all like one hit is eventually what finally kills somebody. And I think that's a cool idea as far as like just mechanically having it finally play it's, that way. It's better. I will say, cause you fight a lot of monsters early on, although the stormtroopers and stuff are exception. It does feel good. Cause there's a nice good parry system. You wait right for the attack. You all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, you get a nice skill tree for leveling up different uh, abilities and whatnot. Um, there is, one cool thing about it is that um, you, when you kill things, you do like if you, there's like this worm creature on the ground. I can slice it in one hit and kill it. You actually see the worm split in half. Uh, like the the crabs, they split in half when you kill them, and like you see the seared flesh on each half, like glowing. Uh, with the larger enemies, it's a little weirder because you they take like a lot of hits to kill, mm -hmm. but you still they try. You still see markings on them, like burn marks. Yeah. Like if you're a, if you're fighting a giant frog and you're hitting it ten times or whatever before you kill. It, you'll see seven or eight burn marks on it so they're, they're trying you know yeah um it would be really badass if they went for something more specific like you could roll under the enemy and try to slice its leg off and it's its leg just goes flying and it's hobbling around with three legs trying to bite you ah! like i wish they'd go all the way with it because a lightsaber in theory is a very vicious weapon yeah. i know yeah. star wars is very kid friendly but fuck man if you think about that shit that it's fucked up what it would do um so I think they, they do pre pretty good stuff in regards to that. And it feels good to play, I think, for the most part. I think I found, like, everything. The Uncharted climbing, um, the combat itself, everything felt felt pretty tight. Felt good to me. So I would guess if I had more time to play, it would make my top ten. Probably in the best. Hmm. You know what it reminds me a lot of? Spider-Man. Remember the Spider-Man game? Yeah. Um, it's just like they're doing the same I thing that's been done, but they do it so ridiculously well that you're like, they do a good yeah. job, and 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 Spider Man. I'm not a huge Spider Man guy, but I can appreciate that game. It probably was inflated to the masses because it was Spider -Man, finally a good right? Spider Man game. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I think there's probably a similar Spider Man game. That's, yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. And this is probably an excellent Star Wars game, um, but it just didn't. There, it wasn't doing anything weird or super groundbreaking and like visually some areas look fantastic i said some areas not so yeah i mean it's not a big deal i just 
they how weird are they going to get with Star Wars? Let's just be honest. They're not going to be able to get that weird with it. I get that. That's why I, I did. I'm really enjoying my time with it, and just I'm putting it up against everything this I mean, year. Who that's knows, doing though? A lot. I mean, oddly enough, this is weird. Star Wars has gotten way more weird stuff since Disney bought it, which is like odd. But like, they're a big enough company that obvi- I guess they so, care yeah. more about making money than about having everything be exactly the way it's supposed to be, the way Lucas was with it. And it's it's weird. Like, they've got enough money for it to fail is kind of the, yeah. the case. Like, it's normally not this way, but, like, it's such a big IP. They're just... just imagine... Think about how much Star Wars stuff has come out in the last few years since they've gotten the license. It's been... it's just, It's the same thing with, like, Marvel. Like, they're finally just, like... You can do whatever with this license. We just want to throw it all at the wall and see what sticks. Um, and it is cool when we get something this good from it. From yeah, that, so yeah. and it, I think the sequel, even though it'd be less maybe magical because it's been done before, could be really good if they have the proper time to. Well, I don't want to imply anything, but I think they could really knock it out of the park. Like the villains and everything I saw early in the game didn't really blow me away, but I thought they were fine. Um, so yeah, it's it's really cool. I really enjoy. It. Like I said, the open the opening is really strong, and I will if I see it go on sale, I'd probably pick it up early next year too, and uh, and, and play it again. I just don't. It's hard for me to imagine. I put five or six hours into it. It's hard for me to imagine like the the back end of the game would be so amazing that I would change my entire view on it. But I'd leave it open to the possibility. Who knows? Yeah. It's important to know that that's just the quantity that I played, but I did think it was. Uh, compelling and i enjoyed it unfortunately i was also playing death stranding and Sekiro at the time so like i was like man this is really cool but i wanted to play those other games more uh that is not an indictment of this game that's just a personal mood mood that i'm in right now i feel like the star wars game was easier to like swallow because it's a the pacing and everything is a little more designed for the more casual audience i don't mean that in a pejorative sense um as opposed to something like Sekiro where I'll beat my head on a boss for an hour or whatever, or, or Death Stranding where I'll go hiking on a, over a mountain for an hour. But I'm just really into those games right now because they're a lot weirder. Um, but uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's a damn good game. I'm, I, if you guys ever want to play it, I'd talk about it again in the future for sure if it goes on sale. All right. I think you guys would – I think you I think Shay, weirdly enough, would dig it the most, I think, oddly enough. Um, because of the pacing and the flow and how he feels about Uncharted. Well, we all love Uncharted, I guess. I would probably um, be more of an apologist, than, not necessarily apologist. I'd be into it more than you guys probably. It like that's part of the reason why I really wanted to play it in the first place. But I don't know if I'm going to have time to this year, unfortunately. But yeah, I I would like to try it in the future. I think Josh would enjoy it too. I just think Josh might be because Josh likes the the good shit, like the really dark. Like okay, good is not the right word I meant to use. Josh is really into like the Souls games and stuff like that. So I don't know if this game would necessarily be as challenging as you want it or as weird as you like it. But there is, I played the game on the highest difficulty and it was, no, right under the highest difficulty, the second to highest. And I died like five or six times. So I imagine if you wanted the challenge, it's there. They have a high difficulty Hmm. on Jedi Grandmaster. And I think that you would probably really enjoy that mode. If you're looking for that, so yeah, it's cool. It's interesting. I, I'm not. This was a big conversation whenever Sekiro came out that they didn't have difficulties, and I'm I'm still not sure where I land on that. Like, I kind of feel like it. 
I'm not averse to the idea of having separate difficulties on on those games. Uh, so just, just to have the option, it, yeah. I think. So. Yes, yeah. You don't have to do it, but just having the choice for people, I think, I the, think is cool. I think the best case scenario is obviously it's it actually something. There's been a lot more of this in the in in the indie space. Is the whole this is the intended difficulty? Here are instead of just different blanket difficulties, having different yes. knobs you could tweak for individual things that are tougher for you which is something we've seen a lot more from the indie space, a lot more from like stuff from like Celeste. It has like five different super, ways you can change yeah. what what's yeah. challenging you. Um, yes. And like yes. I, I, instead of just a blanket difficulty, I think something like that would be interesting to see from, uh, from this sort of genre. Well, so. even if you could like take one, well, that's a weird way to do it, but if you could take like one death blow off bosses in Sekiro or like knock them down to a little bit, like to a medium difficulty, it would still be challenging. It's not like it would be easy. It would just be like normal level. And people, the yeah. reason I like those games is because I like the world and the art direction. I like to see what's around every corner. I know there's sort of this yeah. magic to those yeah, tricky they're, they're, fights. Yeah, but. exactly. Like there are a couple bosses in Sekiro that are either instant death or you instantly kill them um as yes, far as yeah. like just the 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 razor's edge of how the fight goes um yeah so yeah like it it's weird exactly. yeah you could struggle on a boss for an hour and then beat it in 30 seconds mm-hmm. because that's just how it goes in those games yeah so you can design around you can think you can creatively design around that stuff yeah um, which we'll talk about Sekiro in a minute. So yeah, anyway, thanks for everyone who recommended it. It is pretty awesome. Maybe I'll check it out down the year. Just don't get your hopes up for me personally because uh, I think it's top 10 material. It's just not going to be top five material for me. But if I play it next year and I really love it and I regret that decision, um, then I will uh, eat crow publicly on the podcast. And uh, that's that. Uh, Shay, um, can you tell our listeners, let's say they enjoy what we do and they'd like to grab some Sword Chomp merchandise. How, how could they go about getting it? Yeah, so you head to redbubble.com slash people slash Sword Chomp. You head on over there um, and you buy some merch. Uh, we have three different designs based off of some of our logos that we had drummed up by Jason Allen Roberts, the esteemed gentleman who designed and we have lots of different kinds of um, products there, anything from shirts to sweatshirts to mugs to phone cases. You can get duvet covers. You can get a clock with our, our logo on it. There's so much stuff you you can get over there. Um, so go ahead and if you are interested, just, yeah, duvet covers. I said that, right? I said that correctly. Are those right? like ATM machines? Duvets. Why did I say duvet covers? <laughs> duvets. I don't know why I said duvet covers. I'm crazy. You can get duvets um, there and so much more. So just head over there if you're interested and uh, check it out. So that's right. Yeah. And 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 if you buy anything, please, 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 please send us a picture. Um, Morgan and I always like to get those pictures up on our social media, show you guys off, um, for repping us and supporting us. It means the world to us. So please get us pictures if you feel comfortable with it and we will post it on our social medias. 
Agreed. Mm-hmm. Just got a we had a, a Lady Strange just posted a picture of herself wearing her hoodie today that I put up. So uh, the hoodies are a big purchase. That makes me happy to see. Um, three quick comments as we move right into the polls here. I promised I'd read some. I have three that I grabbed. Hipster Cowboy said in regards to Jedi: The Fallen Order, as frustrating and as much as I want to break my controller playing it. It's quite fantastic from the graphics to the writing humor is just great also who doesn't love that little adorableness that is bd1 the droid i will say this um it's unfortunate because baby yoda has now ruined everything you see those cute baby droids and you're like and eh, that droid is cute but snow baby yoda <laughs> the droid there's always a cute droid right? right we need new animals new creatures i always go into the droid well I think it's like it's like the safe choice, like because it's just a robot, you know. It's like they want you to feel love for this thing that's not real. It's like a weird psychological trick they're doing. Um, but Yoda's real, baby Yoda is real. Although, yes, everyone who messaged me to correct, you know, people message me to tell me it's not baby Yoda. Yoda is the name and the species. I know that, I know that, but we just call it baby Yoda. Come on, I don't know what the species of creature is called though. That Yoda was. Um, and nobody here does either. Although Shay slunk so down under his camera. All I can see is his hat. So I'm just going to assume that he's doing something really dirty. Now. You see that, Josh? All we can see is Shay's cap. And, there he goes. and his hand moving. Oh, there he is. What? Back to the masturbation. Yep. Full circle. Good oh. distance on that. Yeah. He's, he just, as the show goes on, he has slunk lower and lower and lower into a pool. Um, so thank you, Hipster Cowboy. Uh, two last quick ones. Uh, Reverend Rock and Roll said, "Once it, I'm all about it, but once it ended, it ended. I don't feel much need to keep playing it all that much unless it's from a new start. So, like, it didn't stick with him, but he really loved it, kind of a thing. Last one. This one just made me laugh, so I had to read it. Reeve Matt said, I really enjoyed what I played, but I made the mistake of buying No Man's Sky before finishing it, and I haven't gone back. <laughs> oh, look at that. I, I didn't even pay him to say that. He really did say that. Um... You're probably in the minority there, but I appreciate it. So thank you for leaving that comment. Let's do some quick polls here. As we alluded to... Oh, oh shit. I'm not supposed to do the phone sound anymore. I'm sorry. You know, we wouldn't mind if Shay. you actually did a phone sound. Instead of whatever the heck that is. Is that better? What about the ringtone everyone had? Remember that, man? I haven't thought about that in years. <laughs> the stock ringtone. Uh, first girl I ever had sex with had one of those, and every time it rang, I thought of sex. <gasps> I was like, sex. Sex. <laughs> and every time I hear that ringtone, I go, <gasps> sex. Pavlov's loser over there. That's right. I don't know what you just said. It's okay. Don't worry about it. <laughs> uh, Baby Yoda is the first poll, Josh. Shay. I said, is it the greatest thing ever, or are you sick of it? And 87% of our audience said they think it's the greatest thing ever. They are not sick of Baby Yoda yet. All things must end in time, and eventually people will be sick yeah, of Baby Yoda. going to hit his terrible twos. and mm-hmm. Oh, God, yeah. Yep. Or, or he'll die in the show. And, can and you imagine really they killed Baby everyone. Yoda? It wasn't really Yoda. That's a, that's a huge theory. I did see that uh, there's a huge theory that it actually isn't Yoda. That it's another creature. This is twin brother Yoder. Well, Scroder. 
Again, I'll find the kind of creature that Yoda is before this show's over. We'll talk about it. This I thought was fascinating, Josh and Shay. Uh, I don't want to saying everyone's name over and over again in case you don't know who they are. Josh and Shay. Shay and Josh. Thank you, Morgan. <laughs> oh, God. Thank you, Morgan. 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 Uh, Morgan. I, I know. I'm just so funny. <laughs> Fish, you're making me, you're making me blush. Oh, God. You're so, such a good guy. Um, all right, this is so, so sweet. He's such a sweetheart. I asked our audience, it's kind of sad that fake Mon all over the internet are way more badass than actual Pokemon designs these days. And I used a picture of this really badass design that someone did of Sobble turning into this like night thing. And I just throw it out there to be a dick. And also I was angry. And 71% of our audience agreed. They said, yeah, all the fake Mon on the internet are better now than a real Pokemon. So eat that game freak. Eat it. I that is cool. I honestly kind of agreed with that somewhat. Um, <laughs> there are a lot of cool fake Pokemon that people come up with that are really cool looking, and sometimes I find myself thinking, "Man, why aren't these real?" Man, that Sobble final starter is so fucking cool. That's anyway. I put it up on the Instagram. I'm just miffed by how g- the art out there has got incredible. You know, it's really. That's really amazing. I imagine Game Freak gets annoyed by that. Everyone's like, I want to be a Pokemon designer. I want to be a Pokemon designer. There's so many people out there making incredible art nowadays, and they have the social media, so they have a platform to get it out there. Pretty cool. So, yes, I don't think that means the Pokemon now suck. Do you think that they suck? Um, let's see. Huh? <laughs> That's my opinion. Huh? Nobody they else don't is. suck, but they suck. Uh, ooh, okay, this would be interesting, Shay. So, mm, I'm not a big Martin Scorsese fan, and I don't want to sound like a hater here. I think Goodfellas is so overrated, it makes me very upset. I really just don't like that movie at all. I don't like any of his movies except Taxi, Taxi Driver is the only one that I think is good. Um, oh, Gangs of New York is good. Gangs of New York is, is a good movie. Um, But, yeah, so The, the Irishman dropped on Netflix. It was a big deal. And our audience was split right down the middle on it. I said, is it overhyped or is it brilliant? It came back 50-50. Um, I'm kind of surprised. How is it overhyped if I've not heard anyone say anything good about it? Well, Josh, I could point you to Rotten Tomatoes, where it has a 90-something tomato meter, if that means anything to you. Mm. Hey, Josh, it's a, it's a good movie. Would, <laughs> that's the thing. Who would take the time to go watch it, hate it, and then go leave a thing? It's not like it came out in theaters and offended, you know. Men, children, oh, everywhere. So now you're okay. okay. Well, that's interesting theory. Seriously, like it's it's just, it's not in a space again? that would inspire people to go leave a bad rating. Uh, I I didn't think it was bad. I just thought it was you know it's a bunch of like old guys sitting around like tables talking to each other like hey yeah, yeah let's sit in this mood lighting at this restaurant hey. and um <laughs> and they're all really old. So the, it's like I called it the geriatric yawn because it's just a bunch of really fuck. And they use this new technology though that's humorous, where they ha- they use a new technology to make old people look young. I am deeply fascinated by mm. that. Yeah, it's called makeup. No one's no, done this before. Actually... Yep, it's the first no, time anyone's ever makeup. used it for that it's purpose. It's not just makeup. It's a new technology. Are you messing with me, Shay? Yeah, I, I, yeah, I just I, think I, it's I funny know. because you were like the only person who was a huge fan of. Whatever the Tron re thing was, Tron, Tron Legacy. Is it Legacy? Oh, Tron Legacy. Yes. Yeah. 
Legacy. I mean, that makes sense if they were dealing with technology. Don't you dare say anything bad about Tron I'm not. Legacy. I'm just saying it's I funny would... that you were forgetting about, you know, you know, the Jeff young Bridges version thing? of the dude. Oh, yeah, the CGI uh, Jeff Bridges at mm-hmm. the beginning? Yeah, yeah, He was a little weird. Yeah. I didn't like the CGI. I don't ever like... At the time, it, that was a long time ago. I thought they did a really good job, but uh, I don't think that I'm not saying the CGI in this movie is bad. Actually, that's the one thing I was fascinated by it because I'm like, oh, they're making them look young. Dude, this Robert is De Niro looks scary good with that CGI. He looks like a good thirty years younger. But here is the problem, and me and my wife were laughing about this for 10 minutes. There's a scene where young Robert De Niro beats the shit out of a guy in a store, kicks him through the front doors, and then smashes him on the pavement. Shane knows what I'm talking about, but he moves like an 80-year-old yes, man, yes. but he looks like a 40-year-old. It's just, me and my wife were laughing because he goes like this. Like he, Have you ever seen an 80-year-old man try to beat somebody up? It's... It looks funny. I'm like, sure. here's here's the thing. Robert De Niro is still in really good shape for being an 80-year-old man. Like, because there are scenes where um, he does a lot of things that I, like, if I'm 80 years old, I hope I'm that spry and mobile and agile. But yes, I will sure. agree with you. I know the exact part you're talking about because I had the exact <laughs> same thought. Like, he goes to kick it. Like, who like, is this old guy? <laughs> Dressed yeah, like a millennial. Or, like, yeah, they actually. Yeah. So I watched. I watched some interviews of the various actors from the movie talking on talk shows and in interviews and whatnot. And um, they actually they had this um, th- these people on set. They were like, uh, like instead of being like choreographers, they were like posture doubles. So if like someone, because like you have like Al Pacino who's seventy eight years old, and you as a director aren't going to be like, hey Al. I understand that you're 78, but you need to sit the fuck up kind of thing. So, like, there'd be certain scenes where they would film certain things, like, with a stunt double. Like, the camera's looking over Al Pacino's shoulder, talking to Robert De Niro, or Robert De Niro's talking. Yeah. That's a stunt double. Yeah. You know, or you have, like, a lean over and tell him, you you can slump when you're dead in five minutes. That's right. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I I don't... Look, man, I, I feel like a lot of this movie is just get these big names back in. He's going so hard to look them young. It, it make them look young. Sometimes I'm just like, man, I wish Martin Scorsese had just made something new ish instead of, I feel like he's just, I'm going to be honest with you. I think you missed the point of the movie entirely. If that's your thoughts. And I think anyone well, else, okay, any, well, anyone else who has those thoughts entirely missed the point of the movie. Ah, huh, okay. Well, I'm, I did miss the importance, uh, miss the entire point of the movie, I guess. So. The, it's, it's that's most me. movies he sees. That's. I didn't think there was a point in movie. I thought you would just go in and see movie, and you don't. A lot it's of movies are overpriced di- popcorn. A, lo- a lot of movies movie are didactic. Good, movie bad. I mean, me don't understand. Me too dumb. No, I'm not saying you're dumb. I'm just. I'm just saying like I. Th- I don't think you got it at first watch, and maybe it's something you need to watch further. But, um, are you talking about the idea that these are the the old guys sort of? Because they're on that trip together, and then there's a lot of the places that they're going back to, kind of like the story of their past and how to to get like no, they're, that's they're not sort what of I was playing with the idea. I think that they're playing on the idea of sort of okay. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. You're you. good. Go ahead. Martin Scorsese actually talked about it in an interview. Um, and basically, the point of this movie, um, he talks about it. he acknowledges the fact that like yes, this is very similar to a lot of movies I've done. And I didn't want to do this. Like, this movie's been in the making for at least seven years. 
and they're it's based off of a book and they were working on the script and they didn't he said specifically i don't want this to be something i've already done because i've already done it there's no point in rehashing old shit you know and he said but the ending of this film is what really sets it apart from any others like the last 30 to 45 minutes so i'm going to do my best to skirt skirt around any spoilers but talk about the ending and basically what this movie is about which sets it apart is that his previous films were a lot of them take place in new york because that's where he grew up um his hair or his heritage his uh his family ties he is italian he grew up in new york and so a lot of his movies would glorify violence right and um even if they were like history pieces, they glorified violence in some way, shape, or form. And so this movie is kind of kind of flips that on its head. You know, you have this aging hitman, and he's still out there doing this stuff. And you can see through the course of the movie how it takes a toll on his family. And I'm gonna, if anyone doesn't want to hear any spoilers from here on out fast forward for the next like three minutes uh, i'm not going to talk can you run that by me again? i'm not going to talk for the next three minutes are you talking about the Hold idea on, just a second just can... a second please i'm not trying to be rude if anyone doesn't want to listen to this fast forward the next three minutes because there are going to be spoilers okay go ahead i, would, I just like the idea that a mob man is doing great horrible things and it's somehow a surprise that it's taking a toll on his family well like, i no mean shit. like well yeah no shit but it doesn't usually show that think about the departed um the departed shows how it takes a toll on um the girlfriend um in that in that movie or you look at goodfellas and it does it does show that but that's never the highlight that's never kind of like the the at the center of the story it's always kind of the backdrop it always adds a layer to the drama that's unfolding but with this movie when you get to when you get to the end and the big the big thing happens um then you know Robert De Niro's character um, loses contact with his whole family, and he has to live the rest of his life twenty to thirty years, and his family hate him, and he starts getting older and he's dying, and he's in a presumably nursing home or a retirement home, whatever you want to call it, and there's no one there for him, and he tries and he goes to reach out to his family, but his family still wants nothing to do with him. And so, basically, what this is showing, this movie, is that th- there are repercussions to this violent lifestyle, and it details it in showing that, like, Robert De Niro's character is essentially a hitman who has to live the rest of his life knowing that he killed one of his good friends, that he did all these terrible things, that everyone around him who shared in that secret died before he did his family abandoned him and he had to live with his own terrible consequences he did it all for presumably for his family only for his family to abandon him and him to literally have no one else there when he was slowly succumbing to old age and that is really the difference that sets um this movie apart from all of his other movies as you actually the, the the repercussions of what happens in the movie becomes 
the the moral and it also becomes the 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 centerfold of the drama but like how do you have any empathy for someone that just murders people their whole life like it's just like it, that's the thing i never got with mob movies uh, it's well, like they i never thought it was interesting that people were just like how do i have empathy for like he, he did this to help his family yeah because he d- he was a scumbag he was he's you see how he first started off in his um he was stealing from this company that he worked for he got involved with the wrong people because he was a shithole like he's not a character that's likable at all like i don't I, I i have trouble with mob movies because it's hard for me to be have any empathy for these people that are disgusting he, human beings and then whenever all that shit happens to him at the end i'm like yeah that's what you get you're a fucking scumbag. Well, it's not interesting to me because it's like, of course, if you do all these terrible things, that's what happens at the end of your that's life. That's the point of the movie. You're not supposed to have empathy. It's a dumb point. That's what I'm saying. No, it's not a dumb point. It isn't. No, it's not. Okay, you said I don't get the point. I can tell you the point is dumb. It's dumb to me because it's How can you obvious. say it's dumb if you didn't even get it in the first place? Second, on top who's of that, that, you're not supposed to... Who's to say that I didn't get it? <laughs> you did. Uh... I, I was talking about the larger point of like commercializing this because he wants to bring all these... Big, the only reason people are excited about this movie is because he's got a bunch of old people they grew up with, like Joe Pesci and Robert De Niro, and bringing them all back together for another mob movie from the guy who made Goodfellas. He, look, you can eat that Martin Scorsese shit all you want, but he's also the guy who said that all that shit about the Marvel movies. I mean, he's kind of... Everything you're Martin making Scorsese like five is, different points to try and justify your terribly backed up opinion. I think that he is an overrated director. And that's fine. Very that's good. Fu- his, his movies are not distinctive. Okay, and this you're movie yelling is over instead of letting me jump in here. I keep trying to I jump in. You keep yelling over. I just want to finish over. my sentence. So let me, let me make a point f- here. Yelling over. Yeah, you have been raising your point, your voice to make your point. So here's what I'm going to say. That's fine you missed the point of the movie. <laughs> that's completely fine you missed the point. It's I, I can accept if you say, my opinion is this, it wasn't a good movie, um, and part, part of that is I don't dig Martin Scorsese, and that's, that's where the main criticism stems from. I can accept that, especially as someone who has said multiple times, I don't like Kojima's, Kojima's work, which is why I didn't enjoy any of the Metal Gear Solids that I tried, and I am not um, interested in Death Stranding. I can accept that. But when you try and say all this other shit to bury the actual reason why you didn't dig the story that or the movie, that's that for me that's there's no there's no ability to have a conversation there. There's nothing to be able to discuss there. At this point I don't want to discuss this anymore because you've you've used all this other bullshit to basically try and justify that you don't like this director. I can accept that as a reason for you to just feed, no, feed I, all this bullshit was, to me to where I can't have a, I was a, an get, actual discussion with you. What's, what, what's the point? Well, of we're having a discussion. What I was getting to before I was interrupted was that his movies, in particular this one, if you've ever seen Taxi Cab Driver, that scene in particular at the end is a very distinctive um, vibe of a natur. And then when you look at films like this, there is nothing distinctive about his filmmaking style at all. Any fucking, I of all the movies I watch, anybody could have made this movie. There's nothing special about it. When you watch a Tarantino movie, even if you hate it, you know Tarantino made it. When you watch a Shyamalan movie, and even if you hate it, you know it's a Shyamalan movie. When you watch this movie, it just feels like a regular movie. The violent scenes aren't particularly 
um, impactful. The dialogue isn't particularly interesting. There's nothing about the 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 cinematography that's unique. It's just a movie. It just exists. That's my issue with Scorsese films is they don't – I don't get the hype. Where is the hype coming from? Well, I, th- I think you're wrong, and the reason why I think you're wrong is because Martin Scorsese's style is very distinct. And it may be because he has a very, very specific way he films, but it's sim- – like Josh had typed privately in the chat, he's exactly as good as Tarantino. And what I think when I think Scorsese is – it's similar I'm shit to posting Tar- to just two people. That's true. But I, I think <laughs> it's very true. I think that he has a similar style in a lot. He has a lot of dialogue happening and he has a lot of under underpinnings going on within that dialogue, which is very similar to Tarantino. But the style is derived from set pieces. A lot of this takes place with growing up in New York and the buildings and these famous buildings. That if you grew up in New York, you'd know. And he 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 likes to focus on something he knows, which is being an Irish person in New York, because there's a lot of history there. So oftentimes, whenever you watch a Scorsese movie, it's guaranteed it's, it's going to have an Irishman in it, and it's going to be set in New York, and there's going to be a lot of dialogue, and there's going to be a lot of misdirect as well. And I think those that those things are staples in his movie. Now, if that's something you you don't like or you don't agree with, not just you, Morgan, but you, the listener or viewer, that's completely fair. I can understand that. You know, growing up, I wasn't into mob films, and as I've gotten older, I've gotten into them. I can't explain why, but I think I still think that to some to some degree, Morgan is absolutely right. excuse me, I think a lot of the intrigue with this movie was they were getting De Niro, Pacino, uh, they brought Joe Pesci out of retirement, they have Ray Romano in it, they have all these famous actors who are, who did, uh, like, the New York Irishman-style pieces. Ray Romano was an interesting choice, but that's a conversation for another day. I think think the intrigue there, oh, even Harvey Keitel was in it briefly, which, you know, he brought a lot of these famous actors that he's worked with and he respects. And I think that's a lot of the draw of this movie. But I also think um, it's, it's a terrible, it's, it's terribly short-sighted to say that was the sole purpose because a lot of people were looking forward to it. Cause Scorsese is a solid director. Um, and you know, that's, that's up for debate. A lot of people feel that way, myself included. And also because it, what the story is trying to convey in this film, if it works for you, is very different compared to all of his other stories, which seem to be glorifying this lifestyle, um, but instead ha- have a more didactic approach to where the story unfolds to. So, um, yeah. I, I will give you that. I, I, I'm not saying it's the sole purpose. I just think that was the pitch. The sales I think pitch so. Was I think so. And I can agree with you on that. I, I believe that Martin Scorsese is a director that cares deeply about his craft. I believe he's far enough up his own ass, and he's been doing what he's been doing for a long time. He knows how to make movies, and he cares deeply about... I'm I'm not saying any of that stuff. I would just believe that was the sales pitch. Um, I guess we can... I'll just say this last thing, and then you can tell me I'm crazy or whatever. When you described that 
as being the point of the movie, and I don't disagree with you. Um, I I guess to me, I something I've had a lot of trouble with mobster movies is sort of the premise, and this movie in particular, sort of finding the empathy or thinking it's particularly interesting when people do like terrible things their whole life and then they're sort of left in those positions at the end of their life where they're alone or people around them are dying because of them. And and it's just, I feel like, especially when they introduced the, the primary characters, it was hard for me to find any character I liked because right from the beginning, I knew he was kind of a slime ball and it just got worse and worse. And like, I don't particularly find empathy or interest in those characters and then on top of that the filmmaking style for me has never i like the look of auteurs like i like when you can watch a movie and go oh that's very distinctive uh to so and i'm not and everything you're saying is valid obviously a lot of people that love martin scorsese's work so they're going to disagree with me or uh, but i just i feel like his films have never been distinctive to me and that's my that's what i'll say no i can respect that because when I think back to the Scorsese films I've watched, I don't think I've ever, like, the characters are never, like, I'm, I'm never, like, empathetic or emotionally invested in the characters in his films as much as other films, you know? Like, uh, I think that's kind of, like, what is happening to them. The, like, the plot is always more important than getting invested in the character in his films. And I would almost say that's another characteristic of his films is the character investment isn't as important as what's happening to these characters. Um, the the yes. plot that's taking place. And I think that's, I think that's a really interesting point actually, because I felt like with this movie that you're not supposed to care about these people as much because you know, they're bad people. Like, like you said at the beginning, Robert De Niro's character um, he was just a truck driver, and then he happened upon Joe Pesci's character um, and a situation where he could start to get into some shady business to make some extra money. And instead of making well, and he was brought to that lo- he was brought to them by a shady lawyer who got him out of a case that he was stealing right, products. Exactly, from. exactly. And so he had a choice to make there, and he made a bad choice early on to try and provide for his family in a illegal way. And so it's set from the beginning that this guy is not a good character. And so for me, that set the tone for me personally that, okay, don't get as invested in this character because it's probably going to end some way tragically. And I think that that kind of storytelling style may not be something that you personally or other people are interested in. And it was interesting for me because it's a different type of storytelling to not is to not be as invested as the characters and more to see where the story goes, where the plot goes, I guess. So I get that. I I will say this. You're, you're, you're right. I think I fall in love with more character studies. Like, like in this movie in particular for the, especially for the first several hours focuses more up on the things he's doing and how he got in those situations in a very realistic way like meeting the lawyer, for example, and getting it. And I like that stuff. I, I tend to be more interested in like character studies. Like, for example, like why, why is Robert De Niro the kind of per, why is his character the kind of person that needs to steal? Is there something that's happened to him? Does he have some sort of psychological, like, like Joker is easy. He's, he's, he turns into a character at the end that you're not going to root for. He's a bad, don't make that face, Josh. <laughs> I don't want just, a just character want, study. Just size. <laughs> 
well, we, the Josh, that was a really good Joker laugh. It was a great impression of Joker. <laughs> um, you gotta, you gotta, re, you gotta recover some <laughs> level of back to where you're at, Morgan. So I, I see what you're that, doing there. That that was a that was a good Joker laugh. In all seriousness, um, we should get that saved. So I like where they like just I like to learn a lot about why they're doing the things they're doing and seeing that psychological progression if they're in that place. And I feel like it was just more about him doing things. And I didn't get enough into him as a human being. And I generally think that stuff is interesting, but that's true. You do. Who knows? That's true. I know that's the type of person you are. So I think that makes sense that this movie didn't speak to you as much. Um, Scorsese's more of a a story. He's more of a, a storyteller, or like a hmm, what's the word for? He's more of a plot guy than a character guy. Yes. I'm not saying he's bad at it. He's yeah, 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 yeah. I think it's I think it's always been that he's a phenomenal plot storyteller. Character development is not his strong suit when it comes to directing that. So it's I, I would agree with you for the most part there. And I, I will be honest with you, I almost didn't watch this film because of his comments on the superhero films. Um, I thought that was very in poor taste. Um, but you know what? It, it's It's not like this huge detrimental thing at the end of the day. That's his opinion, and that's fine. He has a different perspective than I have, and maybe if I was in his shoes, I would feel somewhat similarly um, with the type of films he makes versus what those type of films are. I don't know. So, like, I, I, I got over that initial feeling, and I decided to watch this film. And I can understand where other people would be turned off from watching any of his future work, but... um I don't know. Honestly, I didn't hate. It. I did not hate it. I was just joking. It did not. It just didn't move me one way or the other. And that's. I just felt. That's fair. That's. I felt like I was there. I. I existed in front of me. And that's. And that's fair. And I think that at the end of the day, that's kind of how. And this is the last thing I will say about it because I've been talking way too. We, we got off on another random tangent. <laughs> we really hijacked this. We, I'm so we, sorry. We hijacked. Yeah. This yeah. I apologize. Um. As well. But Oof. who would have thought all this, this time would have been the thing that set you us could up. Have almost watch a watched a quarter of the Irishman. <laughs> That's true. The, yeah. the last thing seven almost, hours long. The last thing I will say last okay, now I thought of two things. God damn it. Uh, the first uh last two things. Wait now it's three things. No, I'm just kidding. Uh the last two things I will say about it is first, I don't think it's supposed to make you feel better or worse about your life. I think it's supposed to just be and this is what most of his films are, a period piece. It's supposed to speak to one specific point of time it's supposed to you know give a perspective on what happened during that time and it allows you to do more research into that if you want and to have some kind of understanding of a different lifestyle than to which you currently live the other thing i will say is morgan brought up a really good point is it's very hard to be empathetic uh towards someone who is killing and being a slime ball throughout the entire movie, but I can understand the fascination there because there are millions of people who in the past few years have suddenly become more and more and more obsessed with serial killers, listening to serial killer podcasts, things like Mindhunter, things like documentaries on these serial Mm -hmm. killers. You're seriously going to say that's a recent thing? Well, it's not a recent. I'm not saying it's a recent thing. I'm saying the the increase the popularity, the, the popularity has increased while these mediums become more accessible. Or, because I do remember yeah. my mother watching things like um, Unsolved Murder when I was a kid and other various shows. Yeah. I do remember that. 
I just think with more accessibility to these things, yeah, it, more none, none of these creeps in. go into prison and last more than six months before, you know, somehow magically getting married in prison to one of their adoring fans. Room. Right. Right. Exactly. So I just, I think that the, there's a fascination there with that kind of lifestyle, um, whether it's being a serial killer or being a mobster slash killer, because it's something yeah. that most people will never experience. And it's, I think this is kind of the disconnect there for you personally, Morgan, because like we want, we both really enjoyed mind hunters because it's a window into the, the psychology and behind why people would do this and where their brain chemistry is at. And I think as like, as a mobster period piece, if you had that behind the scenes, look at the, the psychology, that's more interesting to you because that's a lot of people's interest in these type of characters, whether it's fictional or based on a true story. Um, yeah, like, why? right. And I can why? understand that. I can, um, I, I don't get as much into that, but I, I do find it fascinating if it's presented in the right way. And I think this was less a look into the psychology of a mobster, and it was more into the the plot of what happens in that lifestyle and then what you're left with as a result. And that's one of the things that that was, for some reason, the most interesting thing in the movie to me was like seeing how that little girl was like, anytime she got a gift from him, she was just like, I know that this is, I I don't know exactly how, but I know that this is from bad shit. And she was like, not about it. And she was like a little kid and she was just like, ah, these guys, I know that this is bad money. I know that these are dirty gifts. I know that my dad's involved with some, some bad people. Right. And I, Um, I think that speaks to what, like sometimes how little of credit we give to children and how much they pick up. But yeah. And I just hate, hate that mobsters bring that those people into their lives. Like, cause once you bring your family into that, they're now part of this horrible thing and you owe people favors. And it's anyways, too long, too much discussion. See, there's interesting stuff there that I would love to, to learn yeah. about and talk yeah, about. Yeah, and that's fair. That's um, fair. Maybe maybe if you watched a mobster film that delves into the more of the psychology of what, what goes into that person's brain, I think that'd be more of an interesting uh, perspective for you. Do, you. do you remember American Gangster with yes. Russell Crowe? Yes. Also, Road to Perdition. Have you ever seen that movie? I actually that's haven't seen one. that movie. That's a, Dude, it's got Tom Hanks. Yes. It's, oh, that's actually a good one. I do need to watch that. But yeah, I, I feel like that's more your style, delving into the psychology of why certain people do certain things. So. Yes, 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 yes. All right. Well, thank you for tuning into the uh, Martin Scorsese show. <laughs> um, <laughs> I know I got the rest of these all fast now. Um, some of these are kind of funny, though, but I will try to be brief uh, ish. My wife's going to hate me. Um, I could skip the Kojima one because I just thought it was, I was sort of amused by the idea as I was playing Death Stranding the other day that maybe Kojima doesn't actually think his games are weird. What if he's living in this weird world where he doesn't actually think what he's making is strange, but everyone else does. And it just kind of made me chuckle. And 50% of our audience said, yes, that's probably true. And 50% said no. So it was split right down the middle, which made me laugh. But I love the idea that everyone's like, this guy's making the weirdest shit. And he's like, what? This isn't weird. This is just normal to me, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, this is all part of the 50, package. 50. He probably only gets half of it as weird. Like He only perceives half of yeah, it as weird. Like he probably yeah. knows half of it is, but he probably doesn't with a lot of the other stuff in there that's just like 
seems to be recurring things in his games, even though they're all supposed to be fairly weird. It keeps happening. I I don't think he yeah, knows it's weird yeah. if it keeps happening exactly the same way. So I think as human beings, there are things where we have blind spots mm-hmm. in certain areas, even on that, even on such a high level. Um, Battle of the Serial Champs. Lucky Charms beat out Reese Puffs. Hell yeah, it did. Uh, big upset. Hell yeah, it did. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, I like both of them. I do. Here's the thing. The milk in Lucky Charms at the end is the grossest because it's all rainbowy and nasty and marshmallowy. But rainbow-y. the Reese Puffs. Is it rainbowy? A rainbow-y. single, A single rainbowy color? The milk is? I, no, it's not the color. I just, it's kind of like when you have like one I of those. Brown. Brown is the color. It's <laughs> when it all mixes yes. together and just becomes. <laughs> the comes the ultimate yeah, color. Yeah, kind of a sickly grayish brown. Oh, you're making me feel nauseous. Um, it's leprechaun diarrhea. No, the uh, <laughs> the the thing that made me think of was like when people eat those ice creams that are like Neapolitan, and and at the end it's just all weird and mixtured. Like they make me. Yeah. I actually, no, I, Neo- I puked one time when I saw one. Before we move on, Neapolitan is the worst ice cream. It's the it worst. is. It's it really because is. you are just incapable of making a decision and picking an ice cream flavor. <laughs> and so you get oh. the worst one as a result. Don't even get me started on Neapolitan banana splits. Cause then you're just, you're just lost. Like why? Like, why would you do this to yourself? Just pick one of the three and you'll get an acceptable ice cream. But I you pick all three to tell me and you get none Neapolitan. of any of them. You, you're stuck know, with Neapolitan at the end. And your pink mixes with your black. It's just not great. Um, yeah, or just brown, pick chocolate. Pick a flavor. Pick a flavor, man. Don't 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 do this to yourself pick, and everyone around you. Pick, making you pick cookie making, dough. Making like them watch to. you eat that Neapolitan ice yeah. cream. Oh god, it is hard to watch. I'm glad I'm not the only person that feels that way. Although I feel like I feel that way for slightly different reasons. All right, uh, let's see. I thought this was pretty. So two things that were somewhat. Related ones related to Shay ones. So one of the cool things about the show is we had these arguments on the show, and then I can remember them for the next week of polls. So, for example, Shay thinks Greninja is the coolest water starter ever. Mm-hmm. Do you take Greninja or the field? I love how he does this. <laughs> he somehow tries to weight these polls as much in his favor as possible. Yep. Yep. <laughs> is it Greninja well, or fi- literally anyone else? Are there any other well, fair, No, it's, it's, not, it's not literally anyone else. It's literally all of them combined mm-hmm. versus Greninja, yes, which is field. bullshit. I, but that's what you said. You said mm. that. You said it was the best water starter. Yeah, and so it should which have been framed true. So you should have framed it. How can I frame that differently? Is Grain Ninja the best water starter? Yes. No. If he, then he would have beat the field if he was the best water starter. The field was all the other water starters. Combined. <laughs> Jesus, fuck. Ugh. You're you're just rephrasing the same question, Shane. No, it's not. And I'm glad at least Josh is here to understand that, too. No, I, I no, get it I because he did the same thing with this next poll we'll be getting to. Yep. Josh is mad about this one. No, no, has, no, no. You did. I did not, not it, phrase oddly that. Oddly enough, cheaply. it wasn't the wording in this one. The wording is just fine. It's it's the fact that for this next poll, which I'll I'll let you go ahead and uh, explain right here. The right you? Hmm. The right you? Yeah, the right you one. Yeah. Is is it's, a it's good fu- Pokemon? Wh- I don't see, understand see why it's the exact same. Why, I don't I don't I understand. Here. I don't understand why you don't think one is equal to seven. 
Why? What's there not to get about this right now? <laughs> you, no, you guys not not no, gonna let no, you gang up. Part, right this All is right. not happening. I'll just, There's I'll no gangbanging here without of continuing on. For this riot you poll, he decided to scour the internet for the best fan art of riot you ever. Not taking into consideration, riot you has never looked anything like the fan art posted with the poll no in any iteration true. of pokemon ever <laughs> it's not true you you are absolutely right i did scour the internet for the coolest picture of Raichu. that's absolutely true because it does help my case but people get it josh i mean yes if you're gonna make a poll i'm not gonna put the worst what kind of question is that i should put the worst picture no, of Raichu you should put up, a picture of Raichu. i did did you? Here's here's the thing. Here's the thing, Morgan. <laughs> this picture of Raichu looks fucking awesome. He does. Yeah. Looks really no unfair. one can disagree with that Raichu being awesome. Oh, no one can. And still, guys are enough people stinkers. know what Raichu actually looks like to realize that's beer goggles. If if right? it was close, okay, <laughs> I will give you this. If it was closer, like 55-ish percent, I think I would give you that the, the psychological effect of this. But having it come back 80%, basically, that they like Raichu, and having a lot of people message me they like Raichu, makes me think that maybe... I'm wait, a so minute, wait, a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. So, Josh, you're going to have to rewind this part just so the, the fans can get it. He said if it was closer to 55%, he could understand the psychology. Hey, Josh, can you, can you tell me the number on this one real quick? Can hmm. you see that? Hmm. What's the number on that one? So, That's a different poll. That's a yeah. different poll. So saying one? without manipulation, maybe maybe Greninja would have would have won that poll. No. Oh no, but it's you a different poll, Josh. <laughs> Josh, it's a different poll now. Oh, that that doesn't just take the L. That number doesn't work for this one. First of all, I will say this: you you could have just here, you took this argument the wrong way, Shay. You could have just said, "I'm proud Greninja got 43 percent of the vote." Up That's pretty good. I'll just open it here. You could have just been like, it's pretty good that Great Ninja got 43%. Which of actually, votes. technically, that's technically still, yeah. Technically, to still everything won. else. Still, almost half of them. So, technically, actually, over. Josh, I do win this poll in a way because if you actually look at the picture, <laughs> Great Ninja's at the bottom. <laughs> oh, He's in God, the field. you guys. Jesus He's Christ, you guys the are the worst today. Yeah. I get this is the worst. Fish, fish, this is bullshit. I can't handle this. Um, <laughs> they're, they're like you guys are rationalize. You fine. You can rationalize the poll however you want. He used a nice picture. I really won because it's at the bottom of the picture. Fine, whatever you want. Whatever helps hey, you I'm sleep. Just at try, night. I'm trying to play by your rules. Look, whatever. whatever there's, there's no rules. I just asked the audience <laughs> the questions. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's all I'm doing. So, huh. so we're playing by the rules. <laughs> yeah. It's, Jesus Christ. I didn't know there was so much uh, psychology involved in this. See, we take these polls very seriously. They're the most serious most part of this podcast. <laughs> really? I just imagine people flipping by, just like, eh, whatever. The, the video games are a vessel for these polls yeah. where we no, truly no. put our effort. We've done this entire thing just to get a big enough audience to be able to settle these petty disputes. <laughs> years. Years of cultivating <laughs> this. This is the long game. This is this has been the goal is, from the from the outset. You know what? You can you can look at these however you want, but these are W. Look, last week I took some L's, but this week I'm taking some W's. All right. Um, I will say this: 
even I was surprised that he came back 77% for Raichu. Even I was surprised. Okay. So. <laughs> Anyways, that's, that is the madness of the polls. Um, oh, the last one. I forgot. I almost forgot this. Why didn't it save it? That's really weird. I did uh, Sekiro vs. Bloodborne, which is what I was going to end the show on anyway. Um, and this actually was uncomfortably close because I had a bunch of people messaging me that this was a ridiculous poll because uh, it's not even in Bloodborne's League, which I'd agree with. But, but it was closer than I thought. 56-44. That is much closer than I would have guessed. Yeah, I, right? I would have thought Bloodborne would have just skunked because a lot of people love Bloodborne, but honestly... The reason to own a PS4. Yeah. One of them. One of the well, few. Luckily now but, you have um, It was the reason um, yeah. for the longest time there. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. It was the reason I bought a PS4, True. yeah. But Sekiro is such a good game, and I think, like, even though Blood Bloodborne is, like, dripping with just character in the game, Sekiro, it, I think, it has... Not quite as much character, but it has a lot of everything else going for it. It's such a tight game. It does still have a ton of character, so I can understand. I, I I'm honestly, it was a I, I, fight, I, yeah. like I'm yeah. half and half. Like I either expected uh, Bloodborne to just blow it out of the water, or them to be as close to fifty fifty as possible. Yeah, I don't know. Did you find Shay? Did you find Bloodborne harder or easier than Sekiro? Um. I think that Bloodborne starts off just very difficult and it stays that constant. Whereas Sekido, I think it like is eases you into that difficulty. But when when it hits yeah. its stride, it's as difficult, if not more so. Yeah. Maybe that's it what it is. A little more you haven't beat in yeah. to uh yes. to to start ramping yeah. up. Yeah. To Because I mean you haven't beat the first boss in Bloodborne yet, right? That giant thing um, on the bridge. Nope. I sure haven't. Okay. So you're <laughs> Don't make don't laugh, Josh. Don't you laugh at him. I played it once and I played it on stream. I know. It's impossible to play those games on stream. I don't know how you did it, man. It was it was stressful because like you're sitting there and then I'd be looking at the chat and all of a sudden somebody just leaps out of nowhere and is butt fucking me. Yeah. Oh, well that sounds like a fun game. What what was that one called? Bloodborne. What what was the enemy that butt fucked you again? I don't remember Um, that one. Was it the old guy in the wheelchair? That was the (laughs) the old guy in the the butt fucker. Um I there's a lot I I can probably say more about Sekiro next week. Maybe I'll wait until Fish comes back because it's been a long yeah, show. He loves got, Sekiro. We got another show to record. Yeah, yeah, I mean, we yeah. But so if you sign up for a ten dollar tier, you'll get that show. So we need to get the hell out of here. But it's been a lot of fun um, arguing about the Irishman for an hour. <laughs> having you guys gang up on me in the polls. What the fuck even is uh, this? Talking about Star Wars. <laughs> um, yeah, it's been it's been a weird show. So. Um, Good time. And thank you, Robotic Fish, for being here. Even though he's off on the Old Town Road right now, riding those sluts. Um. Nasty. <laughs> uh, anyways, thank you, Shay, for being here from Japan, Josh from Michigan, myself from Montana, Fish, wherever you are. We love you. We'll see you next week. And for all of our chompers taking time to listen to the show, please make sure you leave us a kind rating, subscribe wherever you get it. Um, Patreon.com slash swordchomp, of course. For merchandise. Redbubble.com slash people slash swordchomp. We are getting the fuck out of here. So until next week, peace out.